0: Alright everyone, welcome to the Movie Change-Up Podcast. I'm your host as normal, Joe Fricke. Uh, we're having a little bit of a different episode today. Normally we'll, we're either battling against each other or assembling an ultimate list, whether it's to put something in the Hall of Fame or put something on of Mount Rushmore. Uh, but it's a little bit different today because oh. we're just talking uh, th- kind of various movies along the alphabet. That's why it's called our A through Z show. Uh, you know, we're gonna list a movie that starts with A, talk about it, then a movie that starts with B, and on and on and on. Uh, and, you know, various letters, you know, with my normal co-hosts, with, uh, Johnny, Bobby, and Tristan. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the difficulty in compiling our list. Uh, we'll start with Johnny. You know, is there any thought process behind why you picked the movies you did?
1: You know, um as champion nothing is ever too difficult for me but yeah some of these um you know depending on what letter you were basically assigned randomly it was uh it was easier to find some than others some of the categories i took it uh as an opportunity to watch a a movie maybe that i was on my watch list or something i'd never seen before um and be able to talk about that or you know bring up a movie maybe we haven't mentioned much on the show and haven't really had conversations about so those are the kind of movies that are on my list, either personal favorites that haven't been brought up or movies that I just recently watched since we um, came up with the idea for this episode.
0: All right. And uh, before Tristan talks or before Bobby talks, I'd like to hear Tristan's thoughts. Tristan's talk now.
2: All right. Oh, uh, yeah. Just my time. thoughts. I had thoughts. Uh, <laughs> I thought I was going to have a hard time getting this list together. A few of my letters were difficult. And you think like, oh god, how am I going to find something for this or that? But once you get looking, I was kind of surprised. I didn't have every every letter I had. There were at least like two or three or four, even that I was like maybe that one. And I had a hard time picking what I went with. But yeah, my thought process was like, okay, have I not seen this? Is it one that out of breath? I had to run to get my Johnny sucks t-shirt. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is it one I haven't seen? Is it one I always meant to see? Or there's some here, too, where it's, I, I've seen it, but there was never an excuse to talk about it, so now I'm like, okay, here's my 15 seconds to talk about how good this movie is or how bad it is, so I can't wait to get through, and I watched some of your guys' movies, too, so I'm excited to talk about some of yours. I know Johnny had a good one that I want to talk about, and uh, Joe did, too, so I can't wait for that. Not you, Bobby. You sucked. Yeah, <laughs> All right,
0: I will say uh, I did not watch anyone else's movies, but I did, because uh, I have the letters Q and U, And there wasn't really anything that I've seen that stood out that I wanted to talk about. So I watched two movies for the first time that start with Q and U, and those will be my movies. But uh, I mainly skipped Bobby because I didn't think Tristan would show up in time, and I just thought it would be funny. But now it's Bobby's turn, you may speak.
3: Yeah, so I, I went with a little, like, some of them, it was just kind of the first movie that came to my mind for the letter, and then, you know, I would look back on it and see if I wanted to change it, but I ended up picking a lot of movies that either were like formative for me when I was growing up, whether they're a good or bad movie, it's like something that I watched all the time and like got me interested in certain movies. Um, or it's just a movie that I think is underrated, um, that I enjoy and just to pitch to a few more people to see it. Cause I think it's been forgotten a little bit. Um, so I think I went for some odd choices, but you know, I, I, you know, I think it'll be fun to talk about movies that we don't usually get a chance
1: to talk
0: about. Yeah, I agree. And, and
1: Joe is looking for something. Uh, well, it's like, yeah you, yeah, you get all those moments.
0: All right, yeah, yeah. you guys you guys, good?
2: We're ready, Joe. What's your yeah. letter A?
0: All right, to start with the letter A, and sorry again for the internet connection. That just means more work for me when I upload this shit to YouTube, because I'll have to edit shit together, and that's always fun. You know, I I definitely have loads of free time. Um, all right, our first movie we're starting with, with A, is Almost Famous. It's a Cameron Crowe-directed movie uh came out in a year early 2000s late maybe late 90s I don't know forgot to look it up cuz I was too busy reestablishing my internet connection came uh, out in 2000 2000 there we go that's late 90s early 2000s uh, but yeah directed by Cameron Crowe uh, semi-autobiographical movie kind of based on his time as a teen uh, following various rock bands around including Leonard Skinnerd uh, it's uh, i believe the main character is 15 years old in 1973, which is when the movie takes place. Uh f- follows a fictional band of Stillwater and kind of just follows this teenage teenager's journey as he follows this rock band around. Really solid, really good movie that I feel like is relatively underrated. If you're not like a massive movie fan, I feel like you really don't know what this movie is and I feel like everyone should. I feel like it's the type of movie everyone should at least check out. It's a lot of comedians in this movie, Jimmy Fallon, uh, Plays the manager for a little bit, kind of, and this was before he blew up. You have Mark Maron in there. Uh, Kate Hudson, a young Kate Hudson, is Penny Lane. Then obviously for the band members, you have Jason Lee and uh, Billy Crudup as the two main band leads. And this is kind of the movie that put Elton John a little bit back on the map as far as pop culture with the uh, Tiny Dancer scene on the bus, which became pretty iconic at the time. But yeah, I'm a big fan of this movie. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on it? Anyone else seen it?
1: Yeah, um, this was one that I, I feel like I was late on because I watched it in maybe like the last like five years, probably. But obviously, it had been out for for a while, and I've heard great things about it. Um, but yeah, once I once I checked it out, I really liked it. I've watched it since; it's very rewatchable. Every performance is great. Honestly, anything Billy Crudup is in, I'll enjoy. He's always good in it, even if the movie sucks. He's always good, um, but he's great in this, and the movie's good. And then, um, shout out to, I think his name is, I always like to call him Patrick Fuck It, but it's like Fug, Fug, it Fug or Fugit, Yeah. Fug It. Um, yeah. Yeah. He, he hasn't really been in anything in a long time, but he's like basically the lead of this. He was also in another movie, I, a small movie called Risk Cutters, A Love Story. Um, that was like a very indie dark comedy of like a place where like a purgatory, basically people who kill themselves go. So I, I kind of just followed the path of actors I like to get to almost famous and, I enjoyed it. Very, very enjoyable movie with good music in it. Yeah,
0: and you ha- and there's mostly it's classic rock songs from that era, but you also have some original songs in there that were written by Peter Frampton and then Cameron Crowe's wife at the time, now ex-wife, who is a member of Heart. So you have some good music in there as well. And then one thing I wanted, and then Emily Deschanel is also in this movie as the main character's sister, as well as Frances McDormand. I just wanted to... Uh drop that and then anna paquin is another one of the band-aids so yeah i'll say that Um, i was gonna say um, i was
1: gonna say r.i.p cameron crowe then i realized he's alive and i was thinking of gary marshall uh, so yeah oh yep, yep.
2: great cast of people i love this movie it's probably my dad's favorite movie i've seen it like tons and tons of times over the years of my childhood (laughs) so it's one that i know really well you know that tiny dancer scene of course is like the famous scene but Mm -hmm. a lot of scenes in this kind of stick with me and I really like the idea of a generational conflict. You mentioned French McDormand's character is the mom of the main character. And she's very conservative, very afraid of her son going out there on the trip with this band. And he's like kind of a youth revolt of the family. And I think it captures that you mentioned like late 90s, early 2000s, like that clash of the generations, the class of the, of the centuries, you know, and the changing of the optimism of the nineties into the two thousands. I think it's a really great movie to watch. So I definitely recommend it if you haven't seen it. And if you have, Uh, The cast did a reunion on YouTube during the quarantine, so if you want to see them all grown up, talking about their experiences on YouTube, I think Entertainment Weekly did that. I'm not sure, but yeah, you can find that on YouTube too.
0: Yeah, and uh, yeah, like I said, well, also it's currently streaming on Paramount Plus, so if you have Paramount Plus, you can watch it for free there. And it's you know about a 15 year old in 1973. So if you know anyone that was 15 in 1973, then maybe a nice way to uh, reconnect with your childhood mother who was born in 1958. Ah, uh, so, uh, if anyone has anything else to say, I think that takes us to Johnny with the letter yeah.
3: B. I'll just say really yeah, quick. That so... is a good... Oh yeah, go, Bobby. Go I just, as someone just really quick who plays music and stuff, it's definitely like, it, it's a really great movie. And if you're into rock music at all, it's a lot of fun, but it's also a good Cameron Crowe movie where he mm-hmm. doesn't cast, uh, an American playing, a you know, uh, like a white person as a Hawaiian. So that's how it's also
2: Good, <laughs> yeah. good place. Yeah
3: yeah
1: yeah um so transitioning from a movie that we is pretty universally loved and we all have pretty similar thoughts on it for my b i went with birds of prey um or the what is it the fantabulous emancipation of one harley quinn um which is the full title um i went with this because i'd never seen it before um and and then recently obviously the suicide squad came out i enjoyed that so i was like well I'll check out birds of prey. Now that I sell the suicide squad, you know, I think it has strong elements overall. I don't think it's the, it's the strongest uh, movie, but I like, uh, I think Kathy, Kathy Yan does a good job directing. And I think Margot Robbie does a great job with the character. All the side characters fell flat to me for the most part, except for Ewan McGregor, I think did a great job. I wish he had a little more to do um, I was super disappointed and I was excited that Victor Zsasz was in it. And then I was very disappointed in his portrayal. I thought he was a very weak character. Um, and then my other thing with it is Harley Quinn is a side character and we need to stick to that. She, I can't watch a whole movie of that. That was a lot for me. I don't know. She's Margot Robbie's great as the character, but even in the show, like Batman, the animated series going back to it, Harley Quinn is meant to be this kind of obnoxious side character that's fun but like is never supposed to lead a movie so I'm, i'd am i be okay with her being in more suicide squad movies but i don't need another harley quinn led led film so i kind of want to just bring it up and see because we haven't really talked about it i want to see what everyone kind of thought about it because i'm pretty sure all of us have seen it now so yeah i guess we'll just go around the box bobby what did you think of it
3: so it's one when i saw it in theaters first i i enjoyed it i thought it was a fun movie that was kind of messy um, like it had a real, like you said, a lot of really good elements, but I think the plot, because they were trying to be in Harley Quinn's head, jumped around, and a lot of the the birds of prey themselves didn't really, they just didn't do a lot with them. Um, I liked the actresses in the roles, but they just didn't give them anything to do. Um, I agree. But I thought the action, seeing like the R-rated action, worked at times. Um, and Harley Quinn, obviously, like Margot Robbie's great. Uh, she works as a main lead character in the harley quinn animated show that's out now but that's also again it's animated uh and it's more of an ensemble you know cast of characters coming through um so i think that's where she fits best but i think it's it's a messy movie with good elements and i really do like Ewan mcgregor in it as the villain like black mask is um at least he makes a character that could have been really bland the way he's written fun to watch um, yeah. yeah that's my i think it's okay it, it's an okay movie
1: yeah, I, it was, I mean, I think if I had seen it before the Suicide Squad, the new one, I would have been down on it, and I feel like having seen that, knowing where it went after this, it kind of puts it in perspective. I mean, I liked it a little more than I probably would have if I saw it like at the time it came out. Tristan, what do you think of it?
2: I'm a bit more positive than you guys are. I still think it's not great. I think the story doesn't really hold together. I think all the side characters are pretty much useless, especially when you're coming out of such interesting source material, and the birds of prey and how they interact with Harley Quinn and that whole team dynamic is really fascinating in the comics. And this feels almost like one of those early 2000s comic book movies where they're like, we don't really know what to do with these characters. So we're just going to like kind of take the names and some stuff about them and throw them together. And that kind of is what this feels like. I like the style. I think the look of it is really interesting. I liked being able to see Gotham brighter and by day. And it looked different. Like when you see Batman's POV of Gotham, it's very dark. It's very dreary. It's all, it's all shadows and really literally drawn on black. If you're looking at the Batman animated series and this is, Gotham is much more bright, much more colorful where you're like so sunny, you know, you're seeing like the day-to-day lives of these characters. So I thought that was interesting about it, but I didn't think that it was necessarily great. And but we, the new Suicide Squad came out and essentially did all this better. Like it did the really stylish action, did, the, did like the character POV stuff really well. And this I think is going to be useful as like a transitional movie between the first Suicide Squad, and now this new Suicide Squad. It's like, maybe okay, we had this one movie to kind of like bridge us stylistically between these three movies, but otherwise, it's it's just been done better now. <laughs> so if you yeah. if you want to see this kind of a movie, just check out Suicide Squad,
0: yeah, the Suicide
2: yeah. Squad, not not mm-hmm. the original. Suicide not the original. One. You can skip that one. Yeah, uh,
0: for the most part, I agree with all you guys. My my take on it after watching it is, I felt like there was a good birds of prey in their movie somewhere and there was a good harley quinn movie in there somewhere and they basically combined these two movies into one movie and i I just don't think it worked together well at all i think i would have rather had just seen a birds of prey movie and had just seen like a harley quinn movie I, i felt like them coming together i wasn't a big fan of at least in the story they tried to tell i feel like there is a way to make that movie but this wasn't it
1: Yeah. I thought just going into it, I thought more of the movie would actually be birds of prey because it's titled that, but until the third act, they don't even come together. So I was surprised that it took so long for it to get to that point. And you're right. It did feel much more like a Harley Quinn movie. And then they kind of just threw in birds of prey at the end because they maybe wanted to have some sort of, you know, other name behind it. But yeah, I I think we pretty much have said everything that needs to be said, but yeah, again, Ewan McGregor is good. Um, I liked his death. I liked some of the elements of it, but yeah, overall, like when the second character you focus on for most of the movie um, is whatever, Renee Montoya or whatever, she fell so flat to me of all the side characters and the movies focused way too much time on her. I was like, anytime, like, even though I don't love like, you know, the whole Harley Quinn thing, like focusing on that every time it was focused on like the police drama or whatever. I was like, get back to the characters I actually care about. Show you, show me you and McGregor. Like, I don't care about any of this. Yep. But I thought the stuff with some of the characters that, you know, I liked were, were pretty good. So, I don't know. I, I think um, I did put this on the list. I will dive more into Kathy uh, Jan, I believe, uh, soon. But I, I definitely uh, checked this out because I was interested in her work, too, after seeing another movie she did. Yeah. So that leads us to C, and correct?
0: I will say, uh, if you loved our glowing review of uh, Birds of Prey, it is free to watch on HBO Max, I believe. So.
2: I think it's
1: worth a watch if you mm. like superhero movies
2: you can do worse things yeah. with like a two hours every night yeah yeah mm-hmm.
0: all right see all
3: right so for c i went with one that growing up was definitely a favorite um, as a sports comedy and one that i think has kind of faded from the mainstream in the past little while where we are kind of that borderline age that probably grew up with our parents loving it and showing it to us and it playing on tv and i haven't really seen it as much and that's caddyshack Uh, the classic golf comedy from 1980. Um, Harold Ramis, um, Egon, as everyone would know him from Ghostbusters, directed this. Uh, Stars Chevy Chase, Roddy Dangerfield, Ted Knight, uh, Michael Keefe, and of course, Bill Murray. Um, This is one that just, I think, needs to keep getting shown to people. It's one of the best sports comedies of all time. It's been quoted over and over. Um, Bill Murray with the Gopher in that movie is definitely classic. Uh, Rodney Dangerfield just playing this crazy, you know, uh, golfer and then all that, but it's, it's definitely one, like I said, I I just kind of want to bring it back up because it's one that we love, at least I know I do. And a lot of people my age. Um, and then it, when I talk to people that are younger, they don't really know what it is at all. Um, it didn't really stick around as much. It's one of, uh, I think as a side performance by Bill Murray, one of his best like side character roles, um, it's just this goofy guy chasing the gopher the whole time. Um, and, uh, yeah, praising the Dalai Lama and all that stuff—weird, crazy stuff that he does in that movie. But what are your guys' thoughts? I mean, it's a classic movie to me. Um, did you guys grow up on it? I know Tristan and Joe. What are your thoughts?
2: I didn't grow up on it. I, I mean, my dad watched it a lot, but it was one that I just kind of had on the back burner for a while, and a while, and a while. And eventually, I did get to it, and I think that Bill Murray scenes are all fantastic. I think all of his literally almost every line he delivers is ridiculous, and you have that sort of meta. Thing of the director didn't want to be doing what he was doing and he was having all these problems on set. So you have this like artistic clash of the actor and the director having two different ideas of what the movie actually is. But I honestly feel like the whole cast has different ideas of what movie they're in. And like the editor doesn't know what movie this is. <laughs> it's like a whole bunch of different, it's like this really meandering kind of plot following these characters. So I thought it was really interesting the way it kind of, in a way, fits into that sort of dazed and confused genre of like summer movies that are just kind of like wandering through life you don't really know what you're doing and in the movie reflects that with like the disjointedness of all the scenes and nothing really kind of flowing together as a plot but yeah not one that I would necessarily loved but I thought it was interesting I think the Bill Murray scenes are all great but the rest of the cast I think just kind of is there (laughs) they don't necessarily provide the memorable quotable lines that Bill Murray does and I watched this one just a couple of days ago rewatched it and I feel the same way Bill Murray shines the rest of it is just kind of there
0: Yeah, I'll say I disagree a little bit with that much. I think Rodney Dangerfield and Chevy Chase both have some great great. lines throughout the movie. And uh, I, I, you know, mostly grew up on it. I think I found it a little bit later. I think I, I mean, not super late, but I think I was like 14 or 15 the first time I watched it. And uh, one of my favorite movie facts of all time is when they were, because I watched like a two hour documentary about the making of the movie. When they, uh, they wanted to blow up the golf course at the end but the owners of the golf course where they were filming said, no, like we don't want you to mess up our golf course. So as a thank you, all of the producers took the owners and employees of the golf course out to lunch or dinner or something. And then while they were all out to dinner and weren't on the golf course anymore, that's when they filmed the scene of blowing up the golf course because, <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, I really, I really like the movie a lot, uh, a lot of quotable moments. And one of the things they said too, in the documentary is the, movie like the script was originally supposed to be like a coming of age story of the the Danny Noonan character and that's basically what like everything they filmed but in editing that main storyline that they had wasn't really working at all like it just didn't fit And so they basically just took that out and kept everything else, which is why you just have a bunch of weird nonsense scenes Mm. that don't go together. But it's like each individual scene is great. But if you actually look at it, it's like a full movie trying to tell any kind of a story. It doesn't like they like people say, oh, it's the story of like these lowly like people playing golf against like these rich elites. And that doesn't even come into play as like an idea in the movie (laughs) until the last like five minutes.
3: Right. It's definitely a movie that. It, you, I, I kind of take it as a. It's like a snapshot of these weird people yeah, that yeah. you're just seeing what they're doing that day or like that time and like yeah. this little mini story for each of them. Um, and I still, still really love it. But yeah. It definitely, yeah,
0: the plot is nonsensical. Yeah, like there is no plot, but it's still somehow great. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I um I I saw Caddyshack when I was probably way too young to see it. Um, I was at a friend's house that you know the you know his his dad was like, Oh, you guys haven't seen Caddyshack. You guys gotta watch Caddyshack. And I don't think the dad remembered how inappropriate some moments were, you know, like uh a woman being topless in the pool yeah. and things like that. That was a uh, an eye-opening moment as a as like a probably a ten year old or however old I was at the time when I saw it. Um but it is one that I've grown to appreciate more just getting older and watching. I, I think it's a very good movie. I, I think it's just it's a good timepiece of the eighties and you have all these guys coming from SNL because it very much is it does feel I, I, I kind of in the middle of where Tristan and Joe are plot wise, but it's like they had a bunch of ideas for skits and then they made a plot kind of, you know, basically intersecting between those skits. And, but every scene I think is really good as a narrative story, it doesn't really matter. No. Um, and that's like a good look at kind of like eighties comedies and a lot of the, some of those early, early movies. And you get a lot of that. And like, you know, uh, you get a little more structured stories and like vacation and, uh, meatballs and stuff like that but this is very much that same same era and and it holds up i love Ronnie dangerfield in this and he does have some great lines the um when he's talking about the the pants and then he goes oh but they're great on you and then does the look like that that's one of my favorite scenes and that's such a quotable moment um and then obviously everything bill murray does in it is is great so i think you have a lot to to love here i would definitely check it out um it's not as narrative of a story as like a Happy Gilmore, but if you like Happy Gilmore and you grew up on that, and you've never seen Caddyshack, I definitely recommend Caddyshack. Um, and I'm interested if at some point this maybe pops up in our in our in next week's episode. Spoiler: We're doing a, a draft, and this could fall into a, into a couple different categories. And I'm interested to see maybe if this one uh, sneaks in there. So you know, it might pop up, but. Other than that, yeah, Caddyshack, I grew up on it, and I I still love it to this day. I have a copy of it. Um, But yeah, it's kind of like you know, my Almost Famous. Everyone pretty much universally likes this movie if they've seen it, but if you haven't seen it, check it out, because it's obviously a little older.
0: And it is uh, on Hulu right now, if you want to check it out.
1: Oh yeah, so that brings us to Tristan. All
2: right, Tristan, give us the D. All right. Uh, we mentioned <laughs> we mentioned that uh, we're going to be talking about Kathy Ann again this Very episode, cool. and uh, here's a here's a chance. Uh, my D is Dead Pigs. It was Kathy Ann. It was her debut feature, but because of COVID and all that kind of stuff, it ended up being delayed and released after Birds of Prey. <laughs> so it's the second one that's been released, but it was made before Birds of Prey. Uh, it's released on Movie. It's a tr- streaming platform you can sign up through on Amazon or just go to movie.com They're a platform that goes out of the way to kind of uh, give, give uh, platform and give precedent to streaming indie movies and especially foreign indie movies. So if you want to get out of like the monotony of scrolling through Netflix and seeing the same like blockbusters you've gotten tired of seeing, this is one that I recommend checking out. It's pretty cheap and you can get the first three months for a dollar. And, and uh, anyway, Dead Pigs was her debut feature, her second release, and it follows these this interconnecting story of all of these people throughout modern-day Hong Kong. You follow a stylist, you follow an architect, those kind of, like, people who otherwise would not be interacting in any way. And you see how their lives slowly start to interact because of this chance situation where tons of dead pigs start showing up. And it's based off of a real event where there was a river where a bunch of dead pig bodies uh, were found in the river and no one in the town could figure out where all these dead pigs came from. And they started trying to uncover the events of all these people in the small town. And this is kind of an escalation of that. It takes place across Hong Kong. It's similar to Birds of Prey in that it's slightly elevated. Re- it's like a slight, uh, slightly elevated reality. It's a little bit colorful, a little bit larger than life, but not nearly as large as Birds of Prey is. But you can see the beginnings of Kathy Ann's direction in this movie. I think it's a much better movie than Birds of Prey. It has a lot more to say. I think it's a lot more interestingly shot and holds together a lot more. So if you want to see her actually pull off a good one. i check out Dead, uh, Dead Pigs.
1: Yeah, I think um Bobby and Joe, have you seen that?
0: I've. I, like I didn't I don't I didn't even know what this movie was. I was just like, Oh, I guess Tristan's doing a movie yeah. called Dead Pigs. I,
3: I knew it was uh I I just heard of the title because of um it being the same director, but I didn't know I like I've never seen it. I don't really know
1: anything about it. I
0: thought maybe yeah, it was it's the one... sequel to Pig, um... the Nicolas Cage movie. <laughs>
1: prequel <laughs> no definitely yeah pig themed episode here we got um but yeah it's I think it's a brilliant satire on capitalism and and the Chinese um government and how their society is but it also you know relates very much to what's you know uh in the U.S. and capitalism and and alienating people and making people desperate and, and while it is a good satire and there's a lot of funny moments it does have some serious moments and I think it's directed well for such a movie that stylistically changes so often I think it does that much better in this movie than birds of prey you know that one felt a little jarring when it jumped scene to scene and this one um no matter what the tone is it kind of seamlessly goes through that so I like Kathy on a lot I understand that um you know seeing this movie and picking her for your movie I think I think works um the other thing with it is Vivian Wu who was in um some might remember her in uh Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three in the nineties was in that in a small role. And she was, when she was like time. very young, no, it's the, it's the one after that, <laughs> oh, probably a straight yeah. DVD movie. Um, but crazy. then uh, she was also in the last emperor and then, and she's obviously much older in this and she like steals the show. She's amazing in it. Um, but yeah, overall, I think it's a, it's a very good movie, but it does have a few parts that might take you out of it. There's a, where they all kind of break out in a song that maybe doesn't fit with the rest as as well as like some of the other scenes but i think overall it's it's pretty funny it's it's well directed and and i'm interested to see more of her work if i had only seen birds of prey i would wouldn't have thought much about the directing but i saw dead pigs before i saw birds of prey and that was one of the reasons i was interested in even checking that out so i recommend it um it is a I mean, it's a foreign film, but a lot of the movies in English. So, if you want a good movie to kind of transition you to watching a movie in full subtitles, um, check this one out. And it's a good kind of, you know, in between of that.
2: Yeah, and know, it's very high energy companies. throughout most of it. So, a lot of times you think of foreign yeah. films, you think it's going to be very slow and very dry, and the plot's going to take forever. And this one is not like the plot does take its time to bring the characters together. That's kind of just like a premise to the movie. But yeah, the, the pacing is very quick it's, it's quippy and it's kind of fun to watch. So you're not getting like a dry, I definitely recommend it as a transition into watching foreign film or even just a transition into watching stuff. That's more indie. If you're used to watching superhero stuff and you want to get, here's that Birds of prey director who did something a bit more off the rail, off the grid type thing. This could be a perfect mm-hmm. way to get you there.
1: Uh, yeah, I agree. So, all right. Well that, uh, I think that brings us to everything we need to say about that. And that brings us back to you, Joe.
0: All right. So uh, I, if you've, you know, Paid attention in kindergarten, I have the letter E, for and I chose The Elephant Man, which is currently streaming on Amazon Prime, as well as Paramount Plus. If you don't know what it is, it's the story of uh, John Merrick, I think they renamed him Joseph Merrick in the movie, or the other way around, but either way, his name's wrong in the movie, Uh, but he suffers from some disease that they didn't really know much about at the time, and it just makes him super deformed. And it's, uh, I mean, it's a period piece. It's like the mid to late 1800s. Travels around a circus until a doctor played by Anthony Hopkins discovers him and kind of showcases him and like shows him to various doctors. And a lot of the themes it deals with is like, is Anthony Hopkins' character really any different than the circus owner? You know, they're both parading him around and not really treating him all that well, and not really caring about him as a person, just caring about like his. Illness or his disease, or what makes him different more than him as a person. And then it kind of all culminates at the end with uh, Merrick, played by John Hurt, who yells into a group of people who are chasing him and wanting to see him, like, I'm not an elephant, I'm not an animal, I'm a human being. And then the movie kind of, for the most part, ends from there. You get a little blurb that he died not too long after that at the age of 27, spoiler alert, but it's also, you can kind of figure that out just by watching the movie. Uh, but directed by David Lynch, surprisingly enough, there is a David Lynch movie I like. If you've watched our podcast that much, you'd probably figure out David Lynch movie's not my vibe. But for the most part, this movie's a little weird and odd for the first two minutes, and then it's a little weird again for about the last two minutes. But outside of that, it's a pretty normal, straightforward uh, movie. David Lynch shot it in black and white. And it was also produced by Mel Brooks, who uh, on purpose kept his name off the poop the posters and everything because he didn't want anyone to think it was like a normal kind of Mel Brooks type comedy and then uh just a little fun fact uh there's a boy uh who kind of goes around with the circus owner and he's played by Dexter Fletcher who went on to direct Eddie the Eagle as well as Rocketman so my little blurb about that movie I don't know I know Tristan's seen it I don't know if anyone else here has seen it
1: I have, but it's been a long time. I don't remember a ton from it outside of the famous end scene that you already mentioned, but yeah, I will say this is one, like I mentioned with dead pigs being like a transition to foreign films. This is kind of a transition into David Lynch films. If you want to get kind of weird with it. Um, This is his like most straightforward movie that I've seen him do as far as just like telling a complete story that doesn't keep you guessing at every turn. Um, But you still get some of his style, like Joe mentioned. So you know, if you want to kind of get into David Lynch, but you've never really checked him out, I think Elephant Man is like the perfect, like, first David Lynch movie to watch and then go into, you know, some of his other works because things are a bit bit stranger after that. Like, I would say watch this before you watch Mulholland Drive and you'll kind of get, yeah. you know, you'll kind of understand Mulholland Drive a little better after you've seen Elephant Man or some of his other yeah, stuff. Especially Eraser
0: had that movie. I still uh, still <laughs> keeps me up at night. And I watched <laughs> that movie like 10 years ago once. That I watched that, that shit It could
1: also again. have been an E.
0: Yeah, I still yeah. ain't never watching that. I would have had to rewatch it to be able to talk about it, just like I had to rewatch *Elephant Man*. But I'm never rewatching *Eraserhead*. Fuck that movie. Yeah.
2: Speaking um, of *Eraserhead*, <laughs> I mentioned when I I watched a double the *Eraserhead* and uh, *Elephant Man* last night. But I want to get Bobby's thoughts before I get to mine. I want to skip you.
3: Oh no, you're fine. I was just gonna say, similar to Johnny, it's been a while. It was my the first David Lynch film I I had ever seen. Um, so it definitely did like kind of ease me into that because it is more of a like it's telling its own story it's a historical kind of piece but i just want to say that the prosthetics and makeup still really hold up and it looks fantastic like on on the elephant man himself um so just if you're interested in that at all just go watch it but it's definitely a more straightforward movie um for david lynch and i'd say
2: give it a shot yeah i mean i'm a big david lynch fan i like his weirder stuff i like his more abstract stuff uh Twin Peaks is one of my favorite shows. His Twin Peaks movies are one of my favorite movies. I love Mulholland Drive. You know, I like when he gets very weird and abstract with his form, and this is not that at all, so it was one that I put off for a while. People that always said, oh, it's very straightforward, Lynch. It's not his art house kind of stuff that you're used to. It's very, very streamlined, and I put it off, in fact, until literally yesterday, <laughs> and I was like, well, it's one of the handful of Lynch's I haven't seen, and we're going to talk about it tomorrow, so what's a better excuse than to watch it now, and I was blown away by it. Uh, it has some of his abstract stuff, like John or Joe mentioned. In the beginning was very, kind of Lynchian, the ending is a bit Lynchian. There's a dream sequence in, in the middle that's, of course, Lynchian, but it, uh, there's even scenes like there's a scene where he's kind of tormented by these people, and the way they're shot is, is very much how Lynch shoots like nightmare sequences. So, the, there's scenes throughout of that field, nightmarish, even though they're not technically nightmare scenes, it feels like a Lynch movie in that way. Yeah, I thought the performances were incredible. I thought the the themes are really powerful too. That was what really hit me. Just this man who's spent his entire life not just cut off from society, but like attacked by society, denied by society, not just put to the sideline, but shunned completely. And I thought that was to see him still have like an element of hope, and to still see through the light, and still keep moving, trying to be a good person, trying to improve lives, people around him. It was very powerful thing to see and of course the ending scene is the thing that everybody knows i'm not an elephant i'm not an animal i'm a human being and you you get that desperation throughout the entire movie building up to that moment and you think like this guy's ready to break there's so much going wrong in his life so many people are so terrible to him and then finally there's that moment he's like i just want you to acknowledge me as a human being just acknowledge me as existing and i thought that was really powerful too we don't want to spoil him but i guess it's a true story so he dies and i thought he died at the end i the way i read the final scene was that was his death scene so if you he definitely uh, you get the final text that he died but I honestly read the final scene as his death scene so yeah I thought it was a great movie I definitely recommend it as an intro to Lynch but if you're like me and you like Lynch's more abstract abstract stuff and you kind of put this one off thinking it's going to be like a straight story or something very very literal like that it's not quite that literal you're going to get a lot out of it still so I recommend it for sure
0: yeah alright well cool. Yeah, like I said, if, uh, it's free on Prime and Paramount Plus right now if you want to check it out. So I believe that takes us to Johnny and F.
1: I'm very excited for this one. Um, so F brings us to another movie that I think Tristan and I have only seen. But that is a movie that just came out on Hulu called False Positive, starring Pierce Brosnan, Justin Throw and Alana Glazer. Um, I watched this just... I mean, basically because Pierce Brosnan, anything with him in it, I'll just check out randomly. You throw a Bond actor in there, I'm, I'm down for it. Um, I don't know what the fuck to think of this movie. It was either the worst movie I've ever seen, or it was some, like, really good psychological thriller um, that was done very well, and it, maybe it was over my head. But I don't think so. I don't know. It just – it's about um, – uh, a woman who's trying to get pregnant, her and her husband, uh, Alana Glazer, is the lead, and her husband, Justin Throw go to Pierce Brosnan, who's a doctor, um, of, you know, basically saying, like, hey, we've been trying for years, and I can't get pregnant, and he promises that he can um, get her pregnant, so they go through, like, this whole weird trial, she gets pregnant, and then basically the whole rest of the movie is people saying mommy brain to her, and uh, it's fucking... Uh, like absurd how many times that is said and it makes me want to punch someone um but yeah i basically all i can say about it i found a review on letterbox that sums up everything that i that i kind of thought about it um and it's by a guy named colin andrews um and this is his full review holy shit this movie is so all over the place is it a horror a thriller a drama i don't know is it pro-feminist Does it set back the feminist movement several decades by saying that the one thing a woman should be wholly good at is giving birth? I don't know. Was Alana Glazer directed to have the same expression on her face the entire time? Is she just a bad dramatic actress? I don't know. Did this movie serve any purpose at all? I don't fucking know. Pierce Brosnan looked pretty fucking hot, though. (laughs) And that's basically what I thought about it, too. Um, Pierce Brosnan's a good-looking older man. um, But, yeah, I don't know what any of this none of it made sense to me it was it was terrible but like maybe it was supposed to be like i don't know if they went for a serious movie and just messed that up or if they were going for what they made and if they were they did a good job of it but i just don't know the intentions of anything so i want to see what tristan thought of this as i think the only other person that bothered checking this out
2: yeah this was one that was like slightly on my radar as a horror person that heard about it and i seen a come on Hulu and it was one that I was like, maybe one day I'll watch it. And then you mentioned it as your ref. So I was like, screw it. I'll, I'll check it out. I've, I've been kind of on the list and, and wow, I, I knew nothing about that. I do not even know what the premise was. I was like, Oh, Pierce Bros. So, yeah. And he plays like a, like a doctor guy or something. <laughs> so how does it play? And then, yeah, it just gets like, if, if it's, it's essentially at least for the first, like 70% of it, a, a Rosemary's baby ripoff where she's, going and seeing this experimental doctor and she doesn't quite trust him. She doesn't quite trust her husband. She's not quite sure if she can trust anybody around her. And jo- or Johnny mentioned the baby brain line. And that's the kind of thing. Like she meets other women who are pregnant and she's expressing concerns. she's saying like, Oh, I don't know if I trust my doctor. I don't know if I do this or that. And they kind of dismiss her. They're like, Oh, it's probably just mommy brain. You know, you're not just, it's not thinking straight. So it's pretty much Rattle Rosemary's baby. They're trying to guess her into thinking like, Oh, you're not, nothing's going wrong here. Nothing's nothing's bad here. So there's elements of commentary there. Like I think there's elements of, like, especially because Pierce Brosnan and Justin Thoreau are the people making the decisions, and they're like the the men in her life were the ones making the choices for her. So I think there's a lot there about female emp- empowerment and about making choices for yourself. And and obviously the element of getting pregnant and your body choices is something that's in the current political news. So I think they're trying to talk about that. So there's elements that they're trying to talk about here. <laughs> and like for the first half, I was like, you know, I, Johnny gives like a one out of five. I don't really know why. You know, it's, it's it's a cheap Rosemary's Baby ripoff that doesn't quite pick up on the same chills as the rest of it. And then the second half or so, is, it just goes so off the rails crazy. And I could not believe what I was watching. And then every scene afterwards just goes up and up and up. And you're like, surely this movie's over. And then it's like, no, we have another ridiculous thing we're going to pull out here. And by the end, I I couldn't believe what I was watching. And I was more positive than Johnny was because I think I I could tell they were trying to do something here. And I don't know if they quite struck what they were going for. But I thought it was very interesting to watch. And especially, I don't want to get too into the ending because I think it's one that I would actually recommend you watch, (laughs) believe it or not. Because even though me and Johnny didn't love it. I think it's an inter- entertaining movie to watch, and one that you might end up getting a lot out of more than us. But yeah, there's el- element to it where it's like they're they're ex- exploring a theme that I don't necessarily agree with, like the the, the theme of the movie not, might not be one that suits my political beliefs. But it was still expressed well, and I think I liked it a bit more than I thought I did when I first watched it. <laughs> Talking about it now, but yeah, I'd actually recommend False Positive. Uh, If you want to check out something weird, something that might give you a strange viewing experience, maybe if you're in a state or a place where you can buy yourself a little bit of legal substance or a couple of drinks, and you might end up getting a lot more of it than even I did.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that might help. I did watch this sober with my fiance and we were just very confused. Um, So with that being said, anyone who is interested in seeing it after a recommendation, skip ahead a little bit because I'm about to spoil the ending. (laughs) Just for Bobby and Joe. So, you have this whole movie where Pierce Brosnan and Justin Throw they go way back. They, you know, they were doctors together, and like, oh, we should have opened up. You know, they we should have been partners. Blah blah blah. At some point in the movie, you see a scene where Alana Glazer walks in a room, and uh, Pierce Brosnan is giving Justin Throw a blowjob. Um, but then. Uh, It's a dream sequence, of course, so it's not real. But then the rest of the movie, she thinks maybe they're having a relationship. Everyone's against me. Everyone just keeps saying, you have mommy brain, mommy brain. Literally every fucking person she talks to uses that. And then the reveal at the end of the movie is that Pierce Brosnan is getting people pregnant in his practice, which Justin throws character assigned to be partners with him at his practice, planned this whole thing. Um, There's a lot more going into it, but basically the one there's like 18 twists but the one main twist that stood out was Pierce Brosnan is injecting his own semen into all of these patients and he's got this whole cabinet full of his own semen and that's how he's getting people pregnant because he's got super that's, sperm so that's semi
3: based on an actual thing that happened like I did, yeah. like, but it's like that's, that's a weird way to do to it do all it movie, leads though.
1: to that and then the movie ends with um, Alana Glazer's nipple and a uh, CGI dead fetus open its mouth to start sucking on the nipple. Um, because there's this element a, where she's
2: pregnant with three kids and they're not yes. quite sure she's going to be able to give birth to all three for some like medical reason. So they're like, oh, you're probably going to have to abort either uh, the two, either the, or the the one two boys
1: or the one girl. And she's
2: like, oh, I've always wanted to have a girl, so I'm going to keep the girl. But then, of course, the men are like, but man but men good and they want to keep the two guys and there's like the element to the commentary of like oh they they're pro choice in in theory but they're trying to make the choice for her and i thought that was the most interesting part of the of the thing was this element of like how, what is choice and and she wants to keep the keep a daughter but they end up keep aborted the daughter instead so she goes back and the fetus that she's milking at the end is like the the aborted fetus of what would have been her daughter because Against her, against her, against her knowledge, uh, Justin Thoreau and decided to abort the daughter and keep the keep the kids, keep the sons. <laughs> wow, this
1: movie is so wild. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I recommend it. Like if you stuck through it, you, even if you know the spoilers, you won't believe what you're seeing. Um, but <laughs> this movie was fucking weird. I was just like, oh, I need to talk about it. As soon as I watched it, I was like, Well, I have F. We're gonna talk about it, and I was glad at least Tristan also watched it. But, yeah, it's wild. So I recommend it if you just uh-huh. want something fucking insane to, uh, to you know, watch for a little less than two hours. But that was probably maybe our longest discussion we will yeah, have. We could, um, yeah,
0: I figured we'd average – like if we want to be on pace for under two minutes we or two hours, we'd probably we speed it up because we're s- supposed to do yeah. roughly like four minutes per movie and we're doing about eight minutes per movie. So
1: Perfect. Well, the next one should be quick, Bobby. What's your G Yeah, movie? what well, movie it's did awesome you – awesome that we are
2: –
0: yeah.
3: We're transitioning from that movie to a truly fantastic movie, um, and that is 1998's Roland Emmerich classic Godzilla, Uh, the Americanized (laughs) version of that. No, yeah, no. So this is a movie I definitely picked because Johnny and I both grew up watching this, like, I don't know how many times we saw it, because it was one of our, like, what we called our car movies on all our road trips. We would put it in all the time and watch it. Um, And we grew up loving the Godzilla, the old school movies, like, you know, Godzilla versus all the other different monsters and all that and so they were finally doing this american big budget movie um i went to see it in theaters and i would have been seven so as a seven-year-old this was like oh my god it's godzilla i'm the big screen because so i'd only seen him seen it on tv um and you know it, it did it, like I, I loved this as a kid uh and what i really want to talk about is this is a movie that uh kind of kept me interested in movies and in the genre of like the monster kind of world and looking back it's a terrible movie it doesn't make sense it's not you know the story is bad godzilla as a big giant creature can somehow disappear in two seconds and they don't know where he went in the city like and and things like that yeah uh it's it's not a good movie john or uh john renault is like the only good like acting part in it but what i want to get because you don't really need to tell me what you think about the movie i think it's bad but Is there a movie like that that as a kid got you interested in a genre or kept you interested in a genre of movies that, looking back, it's bad, but you're glad you watched it when you were younger?
0: I would say probably the Tim Burton, like, well, not even like Tim Burton, but like Batman and Robin and like Batman Forever, probably without those movies. I don't know if I have the same like love for Batman and like the superhero genre that I do now
1: yeah that's a good one i mean this godzilla movie we saw because we loved godzilla like the actual japanese godzilla movies because we used to rent them from blockbusters so we checked this out we liked it at the time because we were dumb kids um but the only thing this movie the good thing this movie gave us was the actual japanese godzilla killing this godzilla in a yes. version uh, in a later movie that they did but yeah i'll say the, the closest thing i have to that of like a movie that sucks but i grew up loving it um and it kind of got me into a wider thing would have been space jam i never would have cared about the looney tunes if it wasn't for space jam and that movie is terrible but i love it because i saw it when i was a kid um and i watched more looney tune stuff because of that it wasn't like the other way around i knew about space jam and then that got me into the looney tunes rather than i knew looney tunes that got me into space jam so i'd say that's probably the closest example i'd have to that the only... I didn't go read Moby Dick after I saw um, Page Master. Page Master.
0: <laughs> the only steel <laughs> book I own, Space Jam.
2: Nice. For me, it's probably a horror movie. I know I watched a lot of like Final Destination and Saw and those kind of like early 2000s horror movies that came out. Par- Paranormal Activity is one for me where I watched that like a ton. I was actually a kid when those came out but I was in like the blooming cinephile era you know like when I was in high school was when I first started to discover like loving movies and those are the ones that really get like i never watch horror movies and i watch paranormal activity and i was like oh i can't get enough of these horror movies now so that's probably one for me i wouldn't say it was bad bad but not not a great movie looking back
3: (laughs) cool yeah i mean i i had more i I was going to talk about with with this movie just because there's so many bad like elements to it but really that was the more interesting discussion to me is that's Mm -hmm. why i put it on the list yeah um so uh and the scooby-doo movies i I watched those a lot
2: when i was a kid I still think oh, yeah. those are good. Yeah. I'll stand by those.
3: There, there's some good behind-the-scenes um, stories about, especially that first one, if anyone wants to look into that stuff with James Gunn. Oh, yeah. That script.
0: Yeah, there, it was supposed to be an R-rated movie, that. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. Until filming.
0: Until <laughs> filming,
3: yeah.
2: Well, and they still filmed a lot of it, but... They did. They got cut out.
3: Yeah.
2: All right, Tristan, you ready for H? Um, H is one that I would imagine none of you guys have seen. It's kind of a deep-cut documentary that I had called Hail Satan with a question mark at the end. You all know, hail Satan? Maybe? I don't know. Uh, came out in 2019. It's on Hulu if you want to watch it. It's an indie documentary. Uh, speaking of almost famous, the director's name is actually Penny Lane. I thought that was interesting. <laughs> I was like, what a bizarre oh, yeah. connection there. But this is essentially a profile of the founder of the Satanic Temple and his political activism. If you've heard the story, I believe it. I want to say Arkansas State Capitol, there was this a statue of the Ten Commandments, and then the Satanic Temple said, oh, if you're going to make a statue to the Ten Commandments, you guys got to make a statue to our, our, uh, our uh, religious belief, too. So they demanded a statue to Baphomet. And it's just, and you go into this as like a, this is going to be a profile of the Satanic Temple, and as you're watching it, it turns itself into more of a examination of the church and state, and how the United States kind of prioritizes theistic religions and Christianity and Yet when these outsider religions try to come in and demand the same rights that we give Christianity in this country, they're not given them, and they're they're, kind of dismissed by society and treated as like crazy people. And yet when Christians want to have a big monument to their beliefs or they want to have a whole day off or two days off or a week off to celebrate their beliefs, that's perfectly reasonable. So I think it got really into that political question there. I thought that was definitely very interesting. And, of course, the question – when you're profiling the Satanic Temple, you're like, okay, why would you become a Satanist? What even is a Satanist? And they kind of changed that look look for me. And so many of these people are not even believers in Satan as much as they're just like atheists who wanted to be a part of a group. Yeah, pretty <laughs> because much. Atheism is, doesn't, doesn't necessarily have like an organization behind it. It, ha- it does, but they're not active. They're not like politically engaged as much as the t- Temple is. <laughs> so it was a really interesting look at a group that is often like socially uh, – Profiled is one thing that isn't necessarily that, and that also looked at a really compelling modern-day political question about why we prioritize certain religions over others in a country that should be a separation of church and state and not playing favorites. So I think if you want to get a political yeah, and say, awesome I, uh, entertaining characters, Hail Satan is a good, good watch. This one
1: is one that's been on my watch list. I've seen the trailer a few times, but I've never fully checked it out. I was trying to before this, but just didn't have the time. So I will definitely check out on Tristan's recommendation. I never knew until Tristan kind of started talking, if this was a documentary, like an actual one or a mockumentary with fake characters, but um, knowing it's a documentary and going into those things, but yeah, the false idea in this country, that separation of church and state, that made up thing, it really should be called separation of uh, any religion. That's not Catholicism in state (laughs) um, is pretty much how, how the country works. So, I'm interested in a movie that, that kind of takes that down um, a little bit. That's that's in my that's in my uh, in my sight lines for sure. So I'm gonna check this one out, um, and I recommend it to people for sure. Just yeah, seeing the trailer yeah. looks good.
0: Yeah, I haven't seen the trailer, but just based on Tristan's description, it definitely sounds mm-hmm. like in my wheelhouse of things I, I'd watch. So
3: yeah, same here. It sounds interesting. I, I'll give it a shot.
0: Yeah, for sure. All right, we're ready to All move right. on to uh, I. Yeah. All right, next we got I, and that is my pick. And I it took me a while to figure out what I wanted to do, cause, and I decided on the foreign film I Saw the Devil, which is currently, I guess, on Pluto TV and Crackle. I don't know what the fuck Pluto TV is. I don't <laughs> think anyone has it. And I tried to watch Crackle one time. That streaming service is garbage. Did you go
3: with I, Frankenstein?
0: Yeah, n- definitely not.
2: Uh, did I put it back? Pluto by... is free, so if you guys want to watch it for free, it's on Pluto TV. Oh, uh, well. Oh, I think Crack was also free. I don't, I don't remember.
0: I don't know where my <laughs> copy of I Saw the Devil is, but uh, it's right here because so I watched it yesterday. So I rewatched it yesterday. It's great. Basically, uh, this serial killer murders this cop's girlfriend, and he decides to go on a one main rampage against the serial killer. And it's basically a cat and mouse game where they kind of switch back and forth between who's the cat and who's the mouse because. They kind of figure out who each other are, and they kind of enjoy fucking with each other. And it's pretty entertaining. Super graphic, super violent, lots of blood. Uh, Lee Byung Hung is in it, who, uh, if you've seen the G.I. Joe movies, he was in those. And he was also, like, Ethan Hawke's friend in the recent Magnificent Seven. And I would tell you, if you've seen The Good, The Bad, The Weird, he's in that too. But if you haven't seen I Saw the Devil, probably haven't seen The Good, The Bad, and The Weird, so...
1: Uh I know Johnny's yeah, seen like it. A Life. I know Johnny's seen it. I before. We've talked about this movie because it was in my top 10 of the um top 100 films of the decade. This I... is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um and if you guys want to see like a further discussion of it, check out our our top 20 films of the decade uh episodes. I know they're long, but if you like just us talking about movies, um that those are good two episodes to check out. Um yeah, this is one of my favorite directors, um, uh, ji Won Kim. He did, uh, as far as like American movies, he did The Last Stand with Arnold Schwarzenegger, but he also did The Good, The Bad, The Weird. Um, he did A Tale of Two Sisters, which is a really good like psychological thriller, and he did A Bittersweet Life, which also stars um, uh, byung Han Lee, and he's one of my favorite foreign actors. So definitely check out this director's uh, filmography if you're interested in foreign films, but if you are... Little queasy and don't like uh, really graphic scenes. Do not watch this because I still, I still can't watch the Achilles violent.
0: Achilles scene. Oh, um, yeah. When I re- re- re-watched this yesterday, I turned it away. I couldn't watch it.
1: Yeah, that one—that's uh, a wild one. So I know I think Tristan might have seen this, but I don't know if Bobby's ever checked this one out.
3: No, I—I I, this is one I've been wanting to for a long time, and I've heard you talk about it forever before this podcast, and then obviously uh, in your top ten, just going through it. So I know a lot about the movie. Um, I just haven't checked it out, but I I want to whenever I have a chance. Um, but I don't think I can
1: I can get Jen to watch this one, so I'll have to find
2: time yeah, to watch don't. it <laughs> Yeah.
1: Don't even try. Nope. Um, but yeah, I'll say you'll see it uh kind of a theme of most of the rest of my list, but I love a good revenge movie. That's probably my favorite genre of like subgenre of movies, and this is probably the best, maybe the best one ever made. So if you like a good revenge, a violent revenge movie check out uh, I Saw the Devil, which is yeah, like gonna, also one of the greatest movie titles ever.
2: We're going to get a handful of revenge movies in the last half of the episode here. But yeah, I've seen yeah. this, not much to say that they haven't said, but I highly recommend it. And I'll repeat that if you're at all queasy, if you're sitting there you're like, oh, I kind of am, I'm on the line, just don't watch it. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's going to no. be over the line for you. It's. A, I'm, I'm a horror movie person. I watch a lot of horror and that kind of stuff. And even this, I was like, okay, I don't, need no, I don't know if I want to watch that one again. <laughs> it was, once was enough for me. Yeah, I watch it every, like,
0: year or so, year or two. And I still, I can't watch the Achilles scene. It, it fucks me up. But, yeah, yeah I think that brings us so, to uh, Jay. And, Johnny, what did you pick?
1: So, for Jay, I picked a movie that I just watched uh, that I've been wanting to check out since 2013, the year it came out. Uh, oh, and I we, yeah, we mentioned where those other things were streaming. Um, but on HBO Max, uh, they just added the movie Joe yes. from 2013 starring Nick Cage. And it, caused, oh, and it caused some confusion uh, in the group chat when I said, you know, I, I was talking about Joe, and he was like, what about me? I'm like, no, no, no. I'm watching not, Joe. No, not. <laughs> yeah, I'm watching Joe. Yeah, but anyway, so it's um, David Gordon Green, who did the recent Halloween movie. Um, he did – did he do Mud? I want to say he also did Mud. No. Um, that's wrong, that. though. No, that's uh, – never mind. I watched a different movie.
0: I'll look up what that's he's done.
1: Recent, like, Yeah, so he's done Joe, and he's done um, The New Halloween. He's been a producer on a bunch of stuff, but Nick Cage, he's the GOAT. Um, He's great in it. It's basically just a a story about um, a kid and his abusive father move to a new town looking for work. He gets a job with this guy Joe, played by Nick Cage, um, who also is a character with lots of demons. It's like in this – I don't know if it ever even says where it completely takes place, but it's in like a Louisiana-type, like southern southern state with – you know, different types of characters and stuff. It's it's really great. Um, the main reason I wanted to talk about it on this show is because the story of Gary Poulter, who, uh, he plays the abusive father in this movie. And I was like, when the movie ended, I'm like, I have never seen that guy before. And he was amazing. I got to see what else he did. And then I look, he died the same year this movie came out. He was 53. He looks like he was about 75 because he lived an actual life of, of of drug abuse. He was a struggling actor in the 80s. He was an extra in a couple things. Then he was homeless and he was a drug addict and he was, you know, abused alcohol his whole life. And then when uh, David Gordon Green went to make this movie, they basically interviewed local people in the town to see, you know, who could be extras. And he was supposed to only have this small part where he's supposed to be skinning this deer. But then he knocked it out of the park when they like basically even audition. So they offered him like the third lead role of the movie. And he, and they said, basically, if you stay sober while you were filming, you can do this role. The dude stayed sober. He put out a movie and he's incredible in it. Um, and then two months after the movie was done filming, he got drunk, fell in a, and either had a seizure or passed out in like a very shallow puddle and, and died basically. Um, and it's it's a very sad story but it's also kind of an uplifting story of someone that their whole life they wanted this one thing and then they finally got it and it was basically like their final wish because he died right after making it after wanting that his whole life and he just his legacy will live on because of this movie he's incredible in it he steals a movie with nicholas cage someone else coming in and stealing the show is rare um but gary poulter shout out r.i.p. he was a uh, he was awesome in this. So I didn't know that story until after I saw the movie. And then I read about that and I was like, I got to bring that up because that's fucking incredible. And I can't believe it's something that in the film community, like we follow a lot of people. I've never heard anyone talk about that before. So I wanted to share that, but really good movie. I recommend it. Ty Sheridan's good in it too. Um, he's kind of hit or miss for me with a lot of his work, but him and Nick Cage have good chemistry and the movie is good. But again, it's not as violent as I saw the devil, but it's not an easy movie to stomach if you can't watch like, abusive relationships and things like that it has a lot of that so you know it's it's a tougher darker movie to watch but it's very good and i highly recommend it has anyone else seen this movie i
0: haven't seen seen it i I haven't seen it but i wanted to bring up two things real quick he's directed pineapple express as well as your highness and some other comedies and he did direct two so he directed the movie joe he also directed two episodes of a show called there's johnny so
2: perfect look at that All right, that's all I had to yeah, say. I like I yeah. Joe a lot. I saw this when it first came out. I mean, some Joes I like a lot. There's other Joes I'm not a huge fan of, but this right. Joe is a particularly good Joe, and I had a good time with it. I think uh, Nick Cage now is having this huge resurgence, especially after Pig, we'll talk about that in a second, but he's having this revival among like indie movies as like this big face again, and this was one that I think kind of started that form. It was back in 2013, so it was right... When he was in the, at the peak of doing bad stuff and this was like the very beginning of me and coming back in my on my personal radar at least and saying like oh i guess nick cage is doing good stuff again and this kind of like slowly get me down the rabbit hole of watching more of his outlandish kind of stuff and by the time we get to now when he's back on the a-list i i was like I, I i knew it i saw it back in the day on joe you know i was on team cage back when i watched joe and that story of course you mentioned is really powerful and I knew that back when I watched it uh, originally uh, as I watched it but after I watched it we were doing research onto the movie and we saw that story and that's a really powerful story that adds to the performance as you're watching it so I think if you're going to watch it now knowing the fact that there's that reality behind the character I think really adds to the performance so I highly recommend Joe uh, the movie at least the person not so much I'm not sold yet but the movie I'm I'm pretty sold on so check that one out on HBO Max like we said
1: oh yeah alright um, and yeah, we. Uh, I think our next few discussions might be quicker. We don't have as much to say about those, so let's get into. Uh, Bobby, you have K.
3: Yeah, so mine also has a very uh, unknown actor named Thomas Mapother. Uh, some people might know him as Tom Cruise. Thomas but, Cruise uh, Mapother the fourth. Yeah. Yep, the fourth. But uh, no, so I went with a movie that, to me, is a pretty underrated, like kind of like a date movie. I, I would kind of call it, or just one you can throw on like TV, but it's also like date a, night kind of like that of course but it is a night and day uh, tom cruise and Cameron diaz uh, directed by first and a lot of people don't even realize that it was james mangold who now is more popular for doing logan and um america what's the movie he just did? Uh, Ford versus ferrari and all that and he's doing the new indiana jones um but i saw this movie on a date and I went into it thinking it was like going to be terrible. Like I was just like, Oh, it's just a movie that I can go watch and like whatever. But uh, I find it like really entertaining as like a, it's an action comedy, kind of a parody, pretty much a parody of the genre of Tom Cruise at the time. So he was in the movie. He is basically the super spy does everything right is suave and smooth and all that. And Cameron Diaz just kind of stumbles into this plot and is like a regular everyday person that falls for the spy. Um, And it, you know, it's, it's a perfectly like fun movie that I think um, you can kind of throw on and watch whenever, just put on a few scenes. You don't really need to care about it that much, but I find it very entertaining. I think Cameron Diaz and Tom Cruise are good in what they're doing in the movie. Um, and it's just a, It I, I find it, it, it's a mo- way, way more capable movie than it should be because of James, James Mangold. I think he directs it really well, has some really compelling action scenes in it too. Um, so has anyone else seen it again? This is a movie that's a, it's straight up a, it's a cable movie, but it's one that I – it's a cable movie that I could throw on, like, whenever and just watch scenes because it's just kind of fun. I don't have
1: cable.
0: Yeah, I, yeah. I saw it once – in like 2012, 2013, and like my takeaway from one is it's like the perfect like. It's Saturday. It's two o'clock. It pops up on FX, and you're like, "Fuck it, why not?" Yeah, that's kind of my vibe of that movie. Like, I'm not gonna say, "Oh, you need to go out and pay twenty dollars to download this movie and watch it on VOD." It's like if you're bored on a Saturday flipping through channels and you see it on one day, check it out.
3: Yeah, I think it's comfort food that's better. And it's than like you a see a the trailer, and it's ones. like,
1: "Yep, this was a movie." Yeah, this was like, you see the trailer and you're like, yeah, that's a movie that in like four months is going to be talked about by Sasha Raver on <laughs> FX or whatever afterwards. Exactly. Like, that's, yep. that's exactly what the type of movie it is. I've never checked it out. Um, I like James Mangold, so maybe one day if I'm like looking for a movie to watch with Angelica, I'd put it's it on. It's way
3: better directed than, than this movie should be, which is what is fascinating yeah. to me
1: about it. Is
3: like There's a lot of really good elements in a really plain kind of movie that makes it way more entertaining than it should be. So.
1: I, I like and I usually it take that, but I take Bobby's recommendations to heart unless, um I mean, he did once say that the spy who dumped me was pretty good, so I don't know if I completely <laughs> trust him on these types of movies. um But yeah, so no, I said Jen liked that one. I've never seen that. You I'm liked kidding.
3: it. You pitched think. it. I pit no. I, mean, I pitched you lied. A movie. You lied, in an man. argument. In an you're argument, I lied. Yes, you're a liar.
1: <laughs> Just like me. I did lie. Okay. All right. like night that. and day don't bother not streaming <laughs> anywhere check <laughs> Tristan L find it on cable
2: alright my L is one that is streaming somewhere it's on HBO I think it might be on the Criterion channel it's on the Criterion collection if you're into like buying Blu-rays and that kind of stuff uh, it comes in a poster and it's Lady Snowblood from 1973 this was the inspiration to Kill Bill it's what I knew it as uh, Quentin Tarantino is cited over and over again that this was the movie he watched that made him say oh, I'm gonna make Kill Bill and there's stories of him even having like Prince of this movie on set of Kill Bill and having the crew like watch this movie in between takes <laughs> to make sure they were like really doing it. And it's like you watch on YouTube and they're like, oh, here's the exact shot or like the exact scene that he took uh, and lifted to make Kill Bill. And the format is very much the same here, too. I think it's almost does it better, if I'm being honest. It's a, little more, a bit more morally complex, but it follows a young woman who is essentially – bred from birth to be a vengeance killer to take down the men who wronged her mother so you're following the woman lady snowblood and throughout the first half hour 45 minutes you're getting the flashbacks of her origin similar to how kill bill like introduces you with the action and hooks you and then you are like okay here's her journey up the mountain and all that kind of stuff and you can see where quentin tarantino took notes not just from the story but from the action but i also think that while the action here is kind of ridiculous and has a lot of like the blood spurt and everywhere kind of stuff it's very fun to watch it also similar to i saw the devil or some of the other movies we're going to talk about it subverts the revenge in in, an interesting way especially for 1973 when it was still early in the in the era that kind of like samurai vengeance thriller stuff so when she ends up meeting these characters a lot of them are one of them is like an alcoholic gambling addict who has nothing in his life and it's like you're killing this man who's like completely lost everything and you have this other person where the man's being hanged and she decides, "Do oh, I have to save him from being hanged so that I can kill him myself. And it's like, all, she has to be the one to kill him. And there's a lot of moral complexity there that I think Kill Bill lacks, <laughs> or Kill Bill is essentially, especially in the first one, just like, let's have the coolest action scenes you possibly can have. Yeah, and this has that while also having moral complexity. So I think if you want to check out really fun violence with some moral questions and some compelling, really great colorful shots, that inspired some of the best filmmakers today i'd definitely check out lady snowblood i said it's on hbo max There's also a sequel on hbo max so if you want to watch that check it out on there i highly recommend it really entertaining watch yeah i'll say
1: probably i'm guessing as the only other person who's ever seen this um uh if you like filmmaking check this movie out because i do think kill bill is a much easier movie to like recommend to people nowadays like this is more jarring like if you went back to watch it and you aren't used to like a 70s low budget foreign film Um, but it's fun I haven't watched it in a while but I did the same thing Tristan did found out it was the reason Kill Bill got made and checked it out and uh, it's good if you want to see super low budget foreign film of a lady getting like cut in half and then a bunch of uh, blood that's literally just like red paint which is some of my favorite stuff from back in the day Um, check it out I think it's worth a watch if you like even if you like like some of the Uh, Bruce Lee like Enter the Dragon type of movies back in the day like this is something a little more violent but it's something that I think uh, you'd enjoy so if you like uh, 70s action films and again good revenge movie um, and you can definitely see if you watch this you can see the parallels between this and uh, Kill Bill Um, but yeah I I was excited when Tristan put this on this uh, list because it's a movie that I feel like no one ever talks about unless they mention you know Tarantino briefly but shout out to Lady Snowblood yeah,
0: I don't know. I never, I never seen yeah, it. I don't know fuck all it. about it. So
1: yeah, didn't think so. This is most of the list is Tristan and I have seen it, and no one else has seen it. If it's like one of our movies, I feel like. Yep. But yeah, that gets us to. Uh, we got to start moving quickly through some of these. So, uh, Joe, that brings you to M.
0: Yeah, so I have Monster Calls, which is directed by J. A. Bayona, who also directed Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom, and this movie is. I haven't seen Fallen Kingdom, but this movie is a billion times better than that because this movie is actually, like, good. Um, yeah, I, it's the, my, yeah. I always have this weird thing of this movie because I have no idea who the hell I would ever recommend this movie to because it deals with, like, monsters and, like, a lot of kids' fantasy themes and, like, elements in the movie, but there's also, like, very dark elements to this movie that I feel like it's a very narrow window of, like, I would recommend this to people who are, like, 12 to, like, 15. Uh, you know because there's a, the movie deals a lot with like the morally gray like it, one of the big themes of like there is no good guys, there is no like for the most part there is no good guys, there is no bad guys. everyone's kind of you know has their story to tell. Uh, it has uh, Toby Kebble, who I feel like is severely underrated as an actor and it also has Felicity Jones who people might know. Uh, through various movies, but most likely uh, Rogue One, which he's the star of. And it also has Sigourney Weaver doing a British accent for some know. reason, um, which is always <laughs> weird when I watch that movie. And it, uh, also from Star Wars uh, and various other things, has Liam Neeson as the voice of the monster. So uh, it's like this basically this little kid, uh, his mom has—he's well, not little; he's like middle school age. His mom has cancer, and this, like, tree monster shows up and kind of talks to him and tells him various stories and tries to, like, help him along. And, you know, the stories have various complexities, and it's just, like, an interesting, weird movie. It's on Netflix right now. Uh, Definitely, I think, worth checking out, but I still really don't know who I would recommend it to because I do feel like there's a narrow window of, like, who might be interested in this movie.
1: I, I would say if you're someone who... Has maybe dealt with um, with any sort of trauma. This might be a tough watch, but I think it's a it's a good movie for that because it it basically the whole movie is kind of a very metaphoric of like coping, um, yeah. and I think it does a very good job of that. And that's really all I remember about it. I, I saw it and I liked it, but it was something that kind of left my mind until Joe put it on this list, and I was glad he did because it reminded me uh, of kind of how much I liked it when I saw it. So yeah, if you like a good movie about just like coping and dealing with you know the struggles of life i mean we're all going to have to deal with really really hard shit throughout our lives and this is a good movie about that and i'm a sucker for movies like that um whether it's this or i think a couple movies we're going to talk about later at least uh one a great nick cage movie uh that we'll get to um i think movies about like coping and dealing with loss and stuff are are important so i think this does a really good job of uh of showcasing that in, like, a unique way yeah. that I haven't seen before.
3: Yeah, I would say it, this is, like, a much darker version of, like, Bridge to Terabithia, which was a dark kids movie, yeah. but it dealt with some of the same, like, similar themes. Um, but, yeah, definitely a way better movie than uh, uh, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom by Jay Bayona. It's the reason he got the movie, I think, for sure. Yeah, pretty but, much. Um,
0: yeah, it's, yeah, it's, I would it's put really it... good. I'd put it in the same realm of like a labyrinth or like a dark crystal or like a never ending story of that mm-hmm. kind of film. If you've seen those films and you're like, Oh, I wish there were more movies like that. I would say to check out uh, a monster calls.
2: I'll add it to my list. It's been, I mean, I, it's been one I've wanted to see forever. And I mentioned Jedi fallen kingdom on our episode about blockbusters. And you guys all, you guys both mentioned to watch this. So I definitely want to check this one out and you guys sell it. When we talk about the fantasy elements and the, Elements of grief. I think that's something I'm gonna like a lot, so I'll definitely check this one out. Yeah. It's like this one reminded two. me a
1: lot. This was like a British live action version of um like a Studio Ghibli movie. Yeah, it was very much a lot of the same elements yeah. of like a yeah. spirited away in type of type of stuff. And uh it's a good one. If you like uh if you like Studio Ghibli and some of the movies like that, um I think this is a good good one uh to check out for sure. And I think it should have gotten a lot more Oscar buzz that year because it came out in a weaker year for for movies, and I remember it getting basically snubbed from the Oscars, if I remember correctly, yeah, and it was a Netflix being movie. disappointed by that. It was a yeah. Netflix movie but before they really started pushing for the
3: Oscars, and they really – No, it was – I mean it much. was
0: released in theaters though because that's where I first saw it. It was in theaters. It. I yeah. thought it was
3: I, What – didn't Netflix produce it though? Maybe they partially was, did. They, I, they, I don't know, yeah. but it was, it was still like
0: yeah. world release in theaters because I remember that's where I saw it. Yeah,
1: okay. I
3: knows. could be wrong. I just remember I think I saw it on
1: Netflix. All yeah, right. it came out on Netflix like right after uh yeah. maybe even before it came out on DVD, so I saw it then, but yeah, I I think it's a very very good movie that is something no one ever really discusses, so I'd say check it out and don't judge uh, a director just on a bad studio film that they had to uh to kind of do, just like uh Green Lantern with Martin Campbell. I think this is this this is more of a showcase of what a director does than a movie with a bunch of notes from a studio.
0: Yeah. All right, and I think that brings us to Johnny with N.
1: Yeah, I'll make this quick. Uh, My N is The Night Comes for Us. It's another, uh, well, it's a Netflix movie. Has anyone seen this? Nope. I'll start with that. Okay, so this is my selling point. Joe Taslim, who is amazing, he was in the Swordsman movies, and he uh, was just uh, Sub-Zero in uh, one of the, like probably the best part of the Mortal Kombat movie that just came out. Um, It's basically The Raid. But a little more of a storyline than the first Raid movie. Um, not as cohesive, I think, altogether. Um, but it's the Raid with Joe Taslim, and it's him basically protecting a child. So I know Joe will like it, because he's into those type of movies like Man on Fire. So if you combine the Raid and Man on Fire, this is very similar. Um, and I'll just say, if you like really good uh, hand-to-hand combat action sequences, this has some violence in it, but it's super fun. It's a, It's a dark movie, but it's great to watch, and it's a really good action movie that no one talks about. And I think it's a good one to recommend because it's on Netflix. It was a Netflix movie and Netflix, whoever the fuck runs Netflix is an asshole and has like the worst formula ever for recommending movies to you. So search this one, if you like the raid or if you like action movies um, and check it out, it, it's kind of uh, just a good change of pace type of thing. If you're, if you haven't really seen foreign films and you want to watch, um, you don't really need to pay much attention to the dialogue. It does have a bit of story, but, but for the most part, you get to see Joe Taslim and Eco U-Waste from the raid have really epic fight scenes, uh, and you get a lot of that. You get a good warehouse fight. I'm a sucker for those, um, and, and it's fun. So check it out, and uh, yeah, it's a great action movie that no one talks about. Everyone gives love to the raid movies, and rightfully so, but this one uh, is is maybe a step below those, but deserve some love and a shout out. So that get brings us to, Oh, and Joe's got his ready. Bobby. Yeah. So, Oh, as Joe is showing now is office
3: space, which was definitely a favorite growing up. I saw this for the first time at a friend's cottage and we watched it, I think about five times like that weekend that we were there. Okay. we just wanted to stay in and just kind of watch this movie. Um, one of my most quoted movies of all time. Uh, but basically if you've never seen it because it was a cult movie and it's definitely become a classic since then um i don't know how you know if a lot of younger audiences are, are checking it out now or finding it but basically you have ron livingston playing a uh kind of down and out office guy at, at a place called Initech. um he's you know not happy with his job he's kind of paranoid about about things he's unmotivated he goes to a hypnotherapist after a breakup and um, his hypnotherapist dies of a heart attack in the middle of hypnotherapy and so he's stuck in this Zen I don't care state uh, and that kind of sets the kind of plot of changing his entire personality and how that ends up moving him through the office. Um, the there's just so many classic characters I think in this movie. Um, Mike judge did this who at the time was probably most famous for Beavis and Butthead uh, as the director but, he did a short called Milton and then kind of took that and made this movie uh and um Stephen Root is hilarious as Milton Gary Cole is one of the best comedy I would call him a comedy villains of all time as uh Lumberg Bill Lumberg um if you've ever heard anyone do that and you know um anyone have a case of the Mondays or yeah I'm gonna need you come in on Saturday that's his that's his character um in this and just one of the best office parodies um i definitely appreciate it even more even though i loved it when i was younger being in an office setting so many great things uh, especially like the random little rules like the tps reports and the covers on them and the joke about that um the entire plot with that that they relate back to like superman 3 um i I could go on and on about it but i think it's a great comedy jennifer aniston's in it now Uh, you know people would recognize obviously her going back um but uh I think it is like one of the best representations of an of literally an office space in in a parody way, but I think it's great um and hilarious and so many great moments uh, Joe, I know you have it Tristan, did you watch this one uh when you were younger? Or did you catch it later on?
2: Yeah, I watched this a lot. This is one of those movies where it's like i grew up in the i was born like late 90s so i grew up in like the era when this was one that i watched when i was too young to watch it type of thing where it's like stick it in when your parents aren't home or like you're out at your friend's house and it's your rebellious friend who watches stuff you shouldn't watch and this is one of the ones you watched and to me this was a rebellious movie (laughs) and looking back at it now it's not exactly that i mean it's 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 not a kids movie or anything like that but it's it was for me a one where I was like, oh, I shouldn't be watching this, and I, I watch it a lot anyway, and it's one that I quote a lot, and once I got into the office space myself, it's one that uh, resonated so much more with me, all those little rules that you wonder like, why are we even doing this, and what is the point of this, and this, I think, captures like those su- superficial office relationships, and like all of the ways you converse people in your office, and the social structure of it, and the sometimes you have that wish fulfillment of being like, man, I wish I could just destroy this computer. I wish I could just throw these like shift reports out the window and never have to do them again. And this is kind of that wish fulfillment movie too. If you, so if you have this, like, (laughs) maybe you work from home, maybe not, but if you have this built in rage where you're like, once in a while, I just want to destroy my office computer. And this of course is the one where you get to do that. So (laughs) a really, really fun movie and one that I watch a lot.
3: And definitely shout out to John C. McGinley. Also Dr. Cox from scrubs plays one of the Bob's. Uh, who come in later in the movie, but um, really great character in this too. Uh, Joe, you obviously own it.
0: Yeah, uh, I really like it. It's one I haven't seen in a while, and it kind of makes me want to go back and rewatch it. Uh, I know, I think it was like Applebee's or like TGI Fridays before this movie like had a thing where like all their waitresses had to have like a bunch of buttons, and that's where the pieces of flair thing came from.
1: Flair, it- yeah
0: pieces of flair came from with jennifer aniston's character and like after this movie came out they stopped doing that because basically they realized this movie was making fun of them um yeah it's very it's very relatable to anyone who's ever had a job essentially it's just completely (laughs) Mm -hmm. a satire on like middle management
1: yeah it's um it's i think it's the best collection of character actors ever put on screen like to whether it's Ron Livingston, who leads this movie, he's a great character actor that appears in a bunch of stuff, like The Conjuring and, and other movies. Um, he's in A Million Things. John C. McGillney, as Bobby mentioned, Diedrich Baker, um, mm-hmm. or Bader, who is in A Million Things, the character actor. Steve, The great Steven Root, you know, my stapler yep. guy. Um, you get a lot of dodgeball crossover because Gary Cole, uh, one of the great comedy character actors of all time. Uh, also mm-hmm. in that with Jason Bateman as the announcers of the Dodgeball Tournament, two of the best, like maybe the best comedy one of the best comedy duos like not mentioned put on screen. He's also Ricky Bobby's father. Um he's in a ton of he's stuff. The, dad the one Kim that Possible. I mentioned Bobby do you remember? Okay, Bobby, I know you remember the movie I spy yeah. with yeah. Owen Wilson yep. and um and uh, Eddie, uh, Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Do you remember who like the slick, sexy super spy was in that movie? it was gary uh, was fucking gary Cole. Cole? <laughs> like i know i knew that's Cole. where you're going but i was i couldn't even yeah. picture it no and yeah if you rewatch that so shout out to the fucking wow. probably awful movie i spy that's another movie bobby and i grew up watching for some reason yeah. randomly in the car but yeah he plays like you watch him be bill lumberg and then you see him as like the he's supposed to be like the james bond type of character in that movie it's jarring once you realize it and then uh because I've seen both movies and I never connected that until I looked at his IMDb one day and I was like, I need, Wait, to, see, I need to look that up. Like I need to see him <laughs> yeah. in that movie. Yeah. Right. So yeah. Look at a picture of, him of that. He's got like a ponytail I want to say, and he looks completely different, but yeah, great, great collection of character actors. Mike judge directed it who did uh Beavis and Butthead. King, of the, King the of the Hill. Yeah. So if you're into like that style of comedy, wow. office space, will do that. He looks like a mix uh, of will animals. satisfy you.
3: He looks like a mix of he's antonio like he's banderas like a mexican person in that movie yeah
1: he looks like antonio banderas like they made him look yeah, like that it's a wild yep so wow. yeah that's the same dude in that movie in bill lumberg and that was a connection i didn't make even though i've seen both those movies probably upwards of 15 times um but yeah office space classic one of the best comedies uh of the uh of the era and uh, I highly recommend it to anyone who hasn't checked it out. Uh, it's an indie film, but I feel like it's a cult classic and most mm-hmm. people kind of have seen it or at least have referenced things. So if you watch it, you'll probably get things that people have exactly. said to you that you never understood. If someone ever, you know, talks about a stapler to you, they definitely <laughs> made a reference to this. Um, and working in a restaurant that uses a lot of staplers, we, we all do that. So, yeah, the uh, great, great movie. Um, I was glad we could bring up, like, because we either did new movies or maybe movies people haven't heard of. Office Space is a classic, and I'm I'm glad that one's uh, on the list, but I'm very excited to get to our next movie, if no one else has anything to say about Office Space.
0: No, it's on stars. if you have stars, I guess.
1: All right. So, Tristan, that brings us to P. Uh,
2: you mentioned new movies. This is one that, like, just came out a couple of months ago at this point. Uh, my P movie is Pig. Uh, the Nicolas yeah, Cage vehicle, the one pig? that, uh, at least for me, it feels like it's been a center of conversation for a, a little a little burst of time uh, among film people. Uh, Michael Sarnowski uh, directed it; it was his directorial debut, and it follows Nick Cage, who's a pig farmer in the in the in like the Wyoming forests. And one of his prized pigs gets kidnapped, so he goes on this uh, revenge journey across the across like uh, like the. I don't know the Ozarks of wherever he's at throughout this forest towns to, to get back he's his in pig Seattle? and ego. He Seattle.
1: He's in Oregon. Somewhere. Oregon. Yeah, he's in like rural or- Oregon. He's in Portland.
2: And he's going through like the culinary scene of this rural Portland, uh, backwoods. This really fascinating world that he walks through, and it subverts revenge in a really interesting way. You mentioned that before a little bit in some of the other stuff, but I think this very very directly addresses revenge and like the cost of revenge, and he. In a movie like this, you'd expect it to be, oh, Nick Cage, like, goes off the rails and, like, has this yelling rage spear. He, like, axe murders a bunch of people and gets revenge for his pig, and that's not what this movie is. This movie's very methodical, and Nick, Nick Cage walks around with this very slow weight. Like, you can feel that he has that rage inside him. He has his past built up, but he's not unleashing it. And in a scene where you would have him go off the rails and chop a guy's head off or something, you just have him in a couple of sentences, like completely tearing down someone's life. <laughs> like you have this scene where he meets up with an old colleague from his underground crime world who's now running this very fancy uh, restaurant in in Oregon and in this in this couple of sentences, this very casual conversation, Nick Cage is able to just completely destroy this man's worldview and you can watch his soul just kind of crush in this conversation and in a, in a, in a worse movie, that would be Nick Cage going in there and chopping his head off or going in there and and music blasts while he goes and just kills hundreds of guys and this is not that it is it, a human movie and the end is very human throughout the whole movie you you don't get those revenge beats you get parts of it but they purposefully hold you back from getting the full-on bloodthirsty cage that you think you're looking for to give you what you actually want which is a really really good cage performance one that is powerful one that sticks with you and really cuts to the heart of this kind of a story, this kind of a character. It looks great. It sounds great. I can't wait to see more from this director. And I hope it brings Nick Cage back to like the forefront of actually critically kind of stuff instead of just like the indie horror scene.
1: Yeah. Um, as the only other person I think who's seen this, right. You guys haven't, yeah, seen, I've, it in haven't seen it yet. Yeah, not yet. Um, I, I mean, my, my way to describe this movie um, is it's John wick. If you replace all the violence with emotion like emotional content and human connection. Like you get a lot of that and, and it's just one of the most well-made movies I've watched in a long time. One of the most human stories. Like I, I love it. It deals with food. It hits close to home in terms of that. Like I, I'm a, i am I love a, a good movie about a chef. Um, and it just, it's not what I expected after watching the trailer, the trailer. If you watch the trailer before you see the movie, you're expecting this big Nick Cage's version of taken And it's not that. Um, And then if you watch the trailer, after you see the movie, you see like, okay, this actually did kind of tell me what the movie was going to be about, but it's just not what I expected it to be because of how most movies are. Um, It's my favorite movie of the year. It's going to take a lot to, uh, to top it. This reminded me so much of Good Time, not because it's a similar story, but because when I saw Good Time, about halfway through that movie, I said... Every single movie that the Softy Brothers makes from now on, I am on board. And this is the same thing. Anything after this, I'm going to check out anything Michael Cernoski does. Because I think this is just such a well, it's amazingly directed. The performances are great. It's the best performance of Nick Cage's career. Um, one of the Wolf Brothers, I think um, a- Alex Wolf is in it. He's really good. This is another movie, as we talked about with... Um, Uh, a monster calls it's a movie about coping every different character, like in different ways you get different aspects of it and it comes together beautifully in the end. Um, And you, it all comes together perfectly. Like the final act might make you cry. Like it's very emotional. It's a great movie. And um, yeah, I, I, it's my choice. I'm going to be pissed when the Oscar nominations come out for, for this year's movies, because I know pig is going to be like uncut gems speaking of the softy brothers and get snubbed from everything, but should be nominated for multiple categories and it won't. Um, But I think it's just a phenomenal movie, an incredible directorial debut. And I recommend it to anyone, even if like, if you're someone who is not like Tristan and I have checked out a lot of like the weird, cool stuff Nick Cage has done in like the last 10 years, um, check this one out and maybe you'll get back on board with, with Nick Cage and that'll transition you back to seeing like, Movies like Mandy, movies like Joe, which we discussed, um, and Colorado like Space. Wally's World, and, and yeah, Colorado Space, um, what's the one, Mother uh, and Daughter, whatever, whenever, whatever the movie is where he's with Selma Blair and the uh, parents start trying to kill their kids, he's done a lot of cool work that no one, uh, that's been very under the radar recently, and I feel like people know Nick Cage best as like the gif guy, um, or the mean guy. And, and he's actually been doing so much fantastic work recently that I, I highly recommend Pig. I think, uh, I think it's probably his best work as an actor. And uh, it's just a phenomenal movie. I, I was blown away when I saw it. I, I think, uh, I think it's something that everyone, everyone should check out. It's got something for, for everyone, I think.
2: Yeah, easily yeah. in my top three of the year, if not my top movie. So it if it, if not Oscar love, it'll get the movie changeup award love. I'm sure by the end of the year, some for some sure. nominations oh, yeah. there. Yeah, for, for Very sure. prestigious. I'm definitely excited to check it
0: out. So, yeah, not gonna lie, great. I kind of because I know nothing about this movie, I kind of intentionally tuned out what you guys said about it because I want to go into it like for the most part completely right. blind.
2: That's a good way to do it.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's definitely a movie. I mean, even if you knew about it going in, I think it would still have a lot of, like, kind of turns and uh, reveals and stuff that you wouldn't expect. But, you know, not going – I went into it only having seen the trailer, expecting a totally different movie. I haven't even seen was the trailer. I blown away so... by what, what came out. Joe, you sent our group chat the trailer. Oh well I don't remember you didn't the trailer. Did watch it? You just sent it? Yeah, <laughs> I you saw Pig Nicholas Cage and just, sent Oh it. Pig Nick Cage. Here you go, guys. I mean <laughs> get thank those you. I'm gonna fun. be honest, I don't remember I
0: probably did watch the trailer, couldn't tell you a single thing about it. My memory's <laughs> ass, so
1: Yeah, I I, uh, I super recommend it. I I love it so much. I, I can't stop talking about it. I almost paid twenty dollars to rent it on Amazon Prime to watch it again
2: and I then thought about doing the exact
1: same my thing. Instincts. But I I probably will do that. But yeah, it's it's if you guys want to watch it and you can't go out to a theater, whether it's for covid reasons or just timing reasons or whatever it is, um it is $20 right now to rent on Amazon Prime. I'm sure in a in a couple weeks it'll be a lower price. It'll be like 6 bucks to rent and then it'll be streaming soon after that. So, I when you see it streaming, if you don't want to pay for it, check it out, but I think it's worth uh, it's worth the price of admission for sure.
0: All right. Anything? Uh, anyone have anything else to say about uh pig?
1: No. Fucking Nick Cage, best actor All for right. 2021. Fuck the Academy.
0: All right. So uh, I think that brings us to Q, which is my pick, and it's another <sighs> movie that's not streaming.
2: And uh, what well,
1: <laughs> I didn't know this movie existed, and I watched the trailer, and I was like, "What the." Fuck?
2: fuck is this? Where did you find this one, Joe? It's one, like, I'm a big
0: Bill Murray fan. It's always been, like, one of the movies I've never seen, uh, and I've always wanted to, and I had Q, and I couldn't find anything, and I looked at movies to start with Q. I saw a quick change. I'm like, you know what? Now's the time. I watched it. I honestly really like this movie. I don't know. I don't know how to explain <laughs> it, how to describe Basically what this movie is, Bill Murray dresses up as a clown to rob this bank. Oh. Uh, you also have uh, Jason Robards as the cop trying to catch him. Jason Robards pay, played Ben Bradley in uh, All the President's Men. Uh, Gina Davis is in it. Uh, the Randy Quaid's in it. Uh, you also have small, cam- not cameo appearances because they weren't famous yet, by Tony Shalhoub, Stanley Tucci, Phil Hartman, and uh, Kurtwood Smith all have small roles throughout the movie. Uh, Kurtwood Smith is known best for playing Red Foreman in that 70s show as well as being one of the main villains in RoboCop. Uh, But yeah, it's basically Bill Murray robs a bank dressed as a clown and then he gets away and you're kind of following him throughout the movie. There's a bunch of twists and turns. There's a lot of tense moments. Uh, Johnny was talking about the Safdie brothers and midway through the movie if I'm like if the Safdie brothers were ever to do a remake it would be this movie. I'd like to see a more serious tone their kind of style with this plot I think it'd be very interesting. I I really enjoyed it. I definitely think all three of you will like it. It's like I said it's not streaming anywhere, so you might have to like pay to rent it, but I think it's worth $3 or whatever you'll have to pay because I enjoyed it. It's basically like he basically played a similar character essentially to like Phil Connors from Groundhog Day in the early version or like his character in Scrooge. Like what if that guy robbed a bank? Essentially, he co-directed the movie. I just thought it was a really fun movie that people should definitely watch, especially if you're a Bill Murray fan. I, I didn't watch Bill the trailer, fan. so I don't even know. I want, I'm, curious I'm a like huge how...
1: Bill Murray fan, and I've checked out almost every movie I could ever find with him in it, um, good or bad. And this movie was never on my radar. I didn't know it existed, and I watched the trailer today to prepare to be able to talk about it. The whole trailer focuses on how crazy Randy Quaid is.
0: Yeah. Randy Quaid is like a side character in this movie.
1: Yeah. Though he is a big, big character in the trailer and he is going crazy in every scene that he's in. And I'm just like, what is this movie? I need to watch this. So I will check it out. This is one I would pay to watch for sure. Um, Yeah. You pair Bill Murray with Gina Davis and then you have Randy Quaid as his crazy old self. Um, before his new crazy self yeah. which is much <laughs> less likable um but yeah i uh i'm interested in checking this out i saw the trailer and it was bill murray and clown makeup and i was like what the fuck did joe pick for this letter and uh yeah i'm interested i you sold me yeah. on it I, i'm interested to check it out i think this maybe could be a good one um for a future movie changeup, uh, yeah, definitely and...
0: like reboot like I like like I said, I'd love to see this after if they were to ever do a remake, this is what I'd want them to do, and I definitely feel like it's very mm-hmm. rebootable because of the simple premise of the plot of Bill Murray and his crew on the run from It the... sounds
2: exactly like something we would have come up with in a reboot. Yeah. And, and keeps, it sounds, just like, just going sounds like someone rebooting
3: or remaking Joker. Like it's the reboot
2: in, like, is <laughs> the reboot is
1: um good time, but Robert Pattinson has clown yeah. makeup on. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's essentially what I'm getting from Joe's yeah. Joe's pitch. I'm this. But, yeah, That sounds great. I'm really weird. looking
2: forward to watching it now. I mean, I never probably would have even heard of it until you brought it up for the show and your pitch on this one sold me. So good pitch, Joe. I'll give yeah, you the win on that one. Thank you. But yeah, yeah I, I can. I, I like that a lot. I'm definitely gonna check it out. It's two ninety nine to read on Amazon. So yeah, well, it's worth $3.99. ninety nine. I'll, I'll pay three dollars
0: that's worth $3 for that. And I can't wait to see what you guys think about it. It You might all come back and be like that movie was ass. Don't care. I thought it was great.
1: Sweet. All right. Well, I'm excited for it. So that brings us to me and I have R. I went with the movie that I just watched uh, a few days ago and it is a movie that is currently not streaming, but I paid six bucks to rent it on Amazon because anything Mads Nicholson is, I will watch. It is called Riders of Justice. I believe it's a Danish movie. Um, So it is a foreign film, but it's a revenge film, as we've uh, talked about. And it's another movie I like. I mean, Taken is fun, but Taken is, it's kind of a revenge movie in a way, but he's going to rescue his daughter. Nothing really goes wrong for him. A couple bad things, obviously. Her, you know, her daughter's, his daughter's friend is dead and stuff. But for the most part, happy ending. He rescues the girl. Riders of Justice is a revenge movie that really deals a lot like uh, I saw the devil that the uh, cost of getting revenge might might bring you um, in much different ways than I saw the devil but it's a really really good movie it's about um, basically to sum it up without spoiling anything it is um, Mads Mickelson is a soldier um, it doesn't really go into that uh, completely but Basically he calls his, his wife and daughter there, uh, her, his daughter's bike was stolen and they're on the phone with him because she's trying to get her to school. And he says, I'm going to have to stay for, for three more months or whatever. So, Oh, dad's not coming home. So they decide to take the day off. They get on a train, the train explodes. Um, the wife dies the daughter lives, but, um, the guy, there's a guy in the train who switched seats with, the wife, because he was sitting and they were both standing, so he said, "Sit down." So she dies because of the explosion. Um, he is like an analytics guy. He is his whole job is figuring out, um, basically, like analytics of like, okay, like if this event leads to this event leads to this event leads to this event. It's it's very interesting. Like his his work. So he figures, hey, I can help out this this situation. They figure out that they. Basically the reason that this train crashed was because there was a mob. The writers of justice are this uh, really evil mob. Um, and there was a mob leader that was about to basically rat out the rest of the gang um, going to court. So him and his lawyer were sitting down and um, they basically bombed this train or whatever to, to kill this guy. So his wife was circumstantial to this. It wasn't an accident. It was on purpose. And then it sets out as a revenge movie with a few big twists and, um, good action. Mads Mickelson is incredible in it. Um, you get a lot of his range, you get a different character than I've seen him really play. Um, and I just, I watched it and I, I really enjoyed it. So I, I, recommend it to anyone who, who likes a good revenge film, anyone who likes Mads Mickelson, um, which everybody should, um, especially if he does a religious allegory film, which uh, Tristan and Joe both had to pitch. um, but yeah, I uh, I'm a sucker for Mads Mikkelsen. I'm a sucker for Revenge movies. This was right up my alley and I and I really enjoyed it. So this is one that I don't know it technically I think it came out in 2020. At least it was made in there. So I don't know what it's eligible for Oscar wise, but I hope it's something that gets love um for best foreign film come Oscar season cuz uh Mads Mikkelsen is is great and everyone should watch this.
2: Yeah, yeah, on a second, Johnny's endorsement. This is a great one. Uh, I found this because uh, critic Mark Commode that I like a lot recommended it. He had a really pos- mostly positive review on it, and I checked it out on his uh, recommendation. I thought it was really, really good. Uh, when I saw that Johnny put it on the list, I was excited, because I forgot about it, and this is, oh, look, now I get a chance to talk about Riders of Justice. I forgot how good this one was. and Yeah, you mentioned the release dates are kind of weird, so I'm not sure. It's very weird the last two years, figure out what's eligible for what you know like i watched saint Maud the other day and it was released in like 2018 and technically it's eligible for like the upcoming uh awards of 2021 and i'm like well it doesn't make any right. sense and <laughs> well, uh, like
1: dead pig same thing it says the release date was 2018 and it just came out this year technically so like who knows but yeah this year's oscars is going to be weird figuring out eligibility for sure
2: but i definitely recommend my just to do, recover recovering like the whole range of revenge drillers this episode here but this is uh much different than the rest of the ones you've covered i think we covered a lot of much darker much like oh here's the grit here's the dark side of revenge here's like someone losing their soul (laughs) over this really dark uh two-hour movie and this is i mean it has that in there but it's not necessarily that as dark there's a lot more comedy in this than i was expecting and the tone was a a lot more light than i expected it to be at least at at certain parts it weaved throughout the light and dark of the tone really in, in an interesting way so i think you'll like that if you like tonal shifts in your movies I think it's something you'll ch- want to check out and if you're usually turned off by how dark and intense revenge thrillers tend to get least something like I saw the devil where we're like oh if you don't like go or don't watch it and this is not that this is much more of an easy watch than the ones you we mentioned before
1: yeah yeah I was surprised by how much comedy this was and the comedy hits it's well I think that's tough sometimes for foreign movies to cross over comedy wise um but like you know, it's not like Amelie. It's not a straight comedy, but there's a lot of jokes in it, and they and they work very well. I love all of the the actors. It's directed very well, and like Tristan said, it, it shifts seamlessly through tone um, throughout. So it's dark, but it also has a lot of comedy, and it's a it's a fun watch. So if you can uh, stomach a foreign film, everyone should. I mean, you guys all know how to fucking read. Watch this movie. <laughs> Reading's all... hard. Uh, it's very good.
2: If you don't yeah, like reading for some reason, there's an English dub on Amazon. So if you want to watch oh, someone dub it. over Maz Mikkelsen's performance, yeah. no. <laughs> you don't can watch do dub movies. Mine?
1: Just as a <laughs> rule, don't watch dub movies unless it's unless it's animated. Never watch a dub movie. What about the old Godzilla movies? Still, those are much better. <laughs> I. Growing up and being an adult and rewatching those with subtitles, they're, oh, they're terrible. So much better than oh, yeah, the, the dubs watching are watching them yeah. dubbed. Yeah, that's un- unwatchable. So, yeah. yeah, um, check this one out and watch it with subtitles. Yeah. Being a fucking adult, I'm in. And Bobby, speaking of revenge movies, what's our yep. S? <laughs> S very much a revenge
3: movie. Uh, <laughs> no, this, this is probably know, uh, right? it, like the most popular movie on the list, I would say. Um, like you know amongst like people nowadays even still but it's one that inspired me in a lot of ways um and it's school of rock uh i think it's jack black's best movie i think it's like just an incredible um comedy and also kind of like a um it's a family like a family coming of age for some of it and then it's just you know some of it is just straight up comedy but yes year one is fantastic Jeff. (laughs) yeah um buttons one okay this this came out in 2003 um i was 12 when it came out and i was just learning or like like you know kind of interested in learning to play the guitar and this movie really got me interested in a lot of that like i already liked classic rock music but this made me really want to play it just like watching jack black do it there's a reason that the first like real guitar i got after the one i like learned on was this here which is a Cherry Red, Gibson SG, which is the same one that Jack Black plays um, in that movie. Other than liking ACDC, because that is Angus Young's guitar, it was a, like one of the other reasons I loved that. Um, first riff I wanted to play was Sunshine of Your Love because, because of it, but I think this is a really funny movie, also a really sweet movie, all the moments with Jack Black and the kids. like It comes across like he is like so good with these, these kid actors, um, and behind the scenes, it was kind of said that he was like, like a father figure and just such a fun person to be around and a good influence. Um, so there's a lot of good that came, came from it. Uh, Richard Linklater did this movie, which um, I think, you know, he's obviously a great director and has done a ton of great movies, but this is probably still my favorite of his just because of the impact it had on me. Um, and I think it holds up. It, I just rewatched it like, I don't know, a month ago or so. And I still think it's just a fantastic movie. Um, anyone else? I mean, everyone's probably seen it. I'm sure. Any other thoughts or any movies that kind of inspired you in other ways? Like it made me really want to pick up the guitar even more.
0: Uh, not really. Like movies that inspired me, for the most part, I don't know. I just, I just, I'm too dumb to be inspired. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Shawshank Redemption made me inspired me not to want to go to prison.
3: There you go. There you go. But you could escape. But you can stand out in the rain.
0: Yeah.
2: I don't know. <clears throat> I I will say. Also, uh, I mean- I was gonna say I, I'll say uh, I uh, I was inspired by this movie musically as well I for a lot of all of my high school uh life and into college I was I played guitar and I took guitar lessons for years and I was uh, I recorded a bunch of songs and I ha- learned a bunch of songs and this is one of the movies that convinced me like I could learn how to play guitar and it wouldn't, I wouldn't like I could figure it out you know like I wasn't great or anything, but I was good enough to be able to play the songs that I liked, and that's all I really wanted to be able to do, you know. And so that was a really fun time in my life to play, along with like Across the Universe, a lot of music, uh, musical, not musical numbers, musical movies as much as like jukebox musicals, m- m- musicals that featured other bands of music. That was something that really inspired me. Across the Universe was one for me that definitely got me hooked on music and hooked on the Beatles. Uh, School of Rock was great. Richard Linklater. One of my favorite directors now, but uh, this was one that I watched a lot as a kid, not knowing anything about Link Later as a filmmaker, not knowing about like, oh, the before Trilogy, oh, this and that, because I was just a kid watching a movie and it still worked for me then. It works for me now. I think it's a timeless movie and one that I really want to go back and watch again because I haven't seen it in a long time. But it was one that inspired me a lot when I was a kid and one that I uh, always think back on and, and think of a lot of good quotes and moments from.
0: Uh yeah, I will also add. I mean, I agree with pretty much everything everyone else says about the movie. But I'll just add, if you're a fan of the television show Survivor, it was written by Mike White, who finished second in Survivor: David vs Goliath, and he also appears in the movie as well as Jack Black's roommate. So, just to I add
2: also it, want to mention,
1: yeah. I knew he Sarah wrote Solverman it. I didn't know he was on Survivor. The, the roommate's wife, Sarah yeah. Silverman, which. She plays a good bitch character in this in this movie that you want to root against. So, um, yeah, I'll say, I mean, as far as movies that inspired me, I I will point to this. This, I mean, I played the guitar for like two years and then dropped out of that. But this movie really brought a lot of the music that I, I love now uh, into my life, like Led Zeppelin especially. I had a big love for and I got into pretty young because of this movie. And this brought a lot of like, you know, Black Sabbath and a lot of that early, you know, 70s 80s 60s rock and roll and stuff uh music that i to this day pretty much only listen to um it it just like kind of showcased that so I, i think this movie did a good job i think this movie has such a good cultural impact that people don't really give it credit for i literally live a block away from a guitar school called school of rock which is really cool when i saw that i was like oh that's fucking sweet i pass it every day on my way to work it's called school of rock um it's it's uh you know, like that, that's because of this movie. There's a musical that Andrew Lloyd Webber did that I'd be interested in seeing, I think would be really fun uh, to check out. Um, And I'm not big into musicals, but I would definitely go see this on Broadway or something would be, would be awesome. Um, I'd
2: give the endorsement to the Andrew Lloyd Webber musical. It's definitely really good. Uh, Even if it's a soundtrack, if you want to listen to the soundtracks on Spotify and you can listen to it and you can see a bunch of the performances on YouTube uh, legally or otherwise. (laughs) So it's worth checking out if you like the movie.
0: And I know a lot of the cast does, like, get-together concerts, like, every once in a while. Like, every few years, it'll be, like, I'll see it pop up online. Like, oh, the cast of School of Rock did a performance somewhere.
3: Yeah, unfortunately, the drummer did just pass away, like, what, a few months ago?
0: Yeah, Uh, I think so.
3: But, that yeah, that was pretty sad. And the guitarist has run into some troubles. But um, I think Jack Black still kind of keeps up with a lot of them um, and still at least has an open, like, you know, line of communication that they can reach out to him about stuff. So it's pretty cool.
2: That's cool.
1: Yeah, rock out! Yeah, great movie, good choice for uh, for us to bring up. Now let's try that again. Speaking of revenge movies, Tristan, what's your team movie?
2: All right, this is this is kind of a revenge movie, uh, not quite though. It's it's mm-hmm. it's more of a, a break and escape movie, you know, a, a home invasion movie, a thriller, if you will. It was kind of marketed as a horror. I, I saw it among the horror movie uh, list, but I wouldn't quite call it that. The movie is. Uh, I have tea, so it's Till Death, the recent, another 2021 Megan movie, Fox. Megan Fox uh, starred in this and it was kind of hyped up as one of her, as, as what would have been her comeback movie essentially, because she hasn't really been in anything super big or relevant and she had a bit of a career, but it, it fell off and she's had a bit of an online resurgence among people who are kind of reevaluating her career and looking back and saying like, maybe we were too harsh on Megan Fox and we looked at her as just like this. Hot girl who couldn't do anything else but be hot, and uh, we kind of devalued her. And now this is a, I hope, a chance of her to be a little bit back into the relevance, and maybe uh, back into the horror scene because Jennifer's body is one that I like a lot from her. Uh, but this stars Megan Fox as a woman, and she's in a non-faithful marriage to her husband. They're neither one of them is faithful to the other. They're in a very much set for what she thinks is a divorce, and they're on their anniversary night, and they're. But she's essentially just married to him for the money, uh, because he's extremely, extremely rich, and she doesn't want to just leave him. She wants to make it a divorce so that she's not poor, <laughs> you know. So she takes he takes her out for an anniversary dinner out to this uh, far away, isolated home, and he handcuffs her to himself and kills himself and says, essentially says, "I oh, know you're cheating on me. I know we're going to get a divorce." And he shoots himself. Now she's stuck in this house in the middle of nowhere, handcuffed to the dead body of her husband and she has to rely on her wills to escape and get out it's very much like Gerald's game I was about to say it sounds a lot like Gerald's game but it's more contained it's not as abstract it's very much like you're in the house you're not leaving kind of thing and you follow her almost real time through the story and it escalates and escalates and I mentioned it's a home invasion type thing so he wants to very much assure that it goes badly for her so he, he makes it almost like a home alone situation where there's traps set throughout the house that make it harder and harder for her to get out. And he wants to make it as impossible as as possible for her to live. And she's facing all these tasks and all these challenges. And you see like her breaking down as well. She's dressed up in this really nice dress for her, for her anniversary. And throughout the movie, she's getting dirty, tearing it up. You get kind of that transformation. So if you like that in a movie too, it's really fun in that genre of just, you know, survival movie thriller and hopefully a Megan Fox comeback vehicle. She's good in it. It's not anything that I... I wasn't like, wow, Megan Fox was fantastic in that. She didn't blow me away in anything like that, but it was a good performance and one that I hope at least gets her back in the conversation for stuff, because I'd be curious to see what she can do in a more modern movie and something that might let her do a little bit more than just be the hot girl in Transformers type thing. Yeah, that
1: definitely
2: yeah, sounds Yeah, I think this movie...
1: I watched the trailer. I haven't seen the movie yet. Um, I want to watch it because I watched the trailer and I was, I was kind of indifferent on it, but Tristan sold it to me, like explaining the plot a little more. Cause the trailer doesn't really do that. I didn't know why the husband was dead. I didn't know why they were handcuffed together. I think knowing that sells the movie a little better. And I think they should have showed that maybe in the trailer, um, but they probably didn't want to spoil like him killing himself or whatever, but everything i said is only
2: in the first like 15 minutes so if you think i spoiled it for you you didn't there's a lot of escalations and things that i didn't get to no definitely i think
1: you i don't think you spoiled it i think you just established on something that they should have maybe sold the movie on um because like joe said like when i watched it it looked like okay what if gerald's game happened but then people tried to rob the house but i think your movie like you explaining what the movie is actually about of it's all intentional um, kind of gives it a little more depth and I and I would definitely check it out and yeah I, I root for Megan Fox I think she could have like a Kristen Stewart type of career where she is in like a big budget franchise kind of panders out people don't take her seriously and then she starts doing indie movies and people start liking her work and maybe one day she gets something big again also kind of like Robert Pattinson same thing with, uh, with Twilight but yeah I mean Megan Fox I think she I think she has more to show as an actress than what we've seen of her so i'd be interested to check out a movie where maybe she can showcase that even if she doesn't blow me away i, I think she could still be a leading actress or a yeah. at least like a character actress somewhere i think yeah, she she's, has a place in hollywood she's
3: good she's good in her few appearances on uh new girl Anyone uh, mm-hmm. if anyone's seen that she's really good in, in i agree that, so. that was
1: the yeah. other thing that i saw and i was like oh she's good in this like good yeah good for megan fox again like, and some work and stuff so when i saw she was leading like a like an action home invasion movie. I was like, all right, I, I would, I would check this out and Tristan sold me on it. So I'll, I'll definitely watch this.
0: Yeah. I'm That's definitely interested fun. in it now. Yeah. Is it it's streaming streaming, or is it not
2: streaming right now, but it should be at some point soon. It's out on Blu-ray and everything else. So mm-hmm. I rented it on, for on Amazon for like $4 or whatever the price is to rent on Amazon for a movie. So it wasn't very expensive. And yeah, it's not when I'd go out and spend like, the, if it was a $20 rental, I would say it wasn't worth it. But if, yeah, for the, Cheap price it is for especially once it's streaming. I definitely think it's worth checking out. It's worth your time, if not worth your money. <laughs> All right, yeah,
1: cool. All right, that brings us to one, um, another this, kind of home uh,
0: invasion y type,
1: yeah, similar, similar type of film, and uh, you know, worth your time, film worth your money.
0: yeah, uh, it's called Unhinged. You know, we're on you, obviously. It's called Unhinged, it stars Russell Crowe, and it's basically he is a crazy person who you know he was already unhinged at the beginning of the movie but then a kind of a road rage type incident happens and it sets him off and he basically goes after this mother and her kid and it's kind of the mother and the kid on the run throughout the whole movie as a fucking crazy ass Russell Crowe chases him I think it came out either earlier this year or last year um
3: It was 2020 because it was the, like, basically first one. It beat Tenet being, like, the first one to go back into theaters. Ah, okay. Yeah, it was, like, they they were advertising it because it's a new production company, and they were, like, touting it as, we're going to bring people back even before... You
0: know, yeah congrats on that not happening yeah uh, <laughs> nope. but yeah I, I, it, honestly it wasn't as great as I thought it would be when I picked it because it was one of those movies I wanted to watch and I had the letter use so I'm like oh, I'll just you know use that and ha- that's my excuse to watch it but I think it was still a, like a solid kind of small budget I don't want to say revenge type movie but you know just kind of like because horror small budget kind yeah. of horror thriller type movie
1: yeah, it's it's another movie that deals with coping, but in a much different way than the ones in a very non healthy right? way. <laughs> yeah, in a very non healthy. You want to go opposite of some of the movies we've talked about coping wise. Kind of opposite of Pig this is the the other way you can go. Um, but I think um, it was fun. It was a good movie to watch. <laughs> it's one that like if you're in a relationship and you both kind of like horror movies or like a kind of a creepy type movie check it out i watched it with angelica and we both had fun with it um kind of guessing what was coming next and it's not a movie that you really have to like super focus on so you can kind of talk during and guess at what's happening and and kind of comment on it and it was it was a fun watch it's not a movie that i would say is anything special but it's a very fun watch nick or nick cage russell crowe (laughs) is awesome in it um uh, i think he's you know, I I think if you did put Nick Cage in this movie, it would be better. But I do think Russell Crowe is a is a fun character, um, in it, and it has some dark moments, and it has some twists that like you maybe not you don't really see coming, and it has some good good moments. So yeah, it's I ninety minutes long, it, so
0: it's a quick watch.
1: It's a quick, easy watch. You can get through it easy. It's a good one to watch with someone, and yeah, I think it does everything that it set out to do. It does well. This was not a movie that was made to get Oscar nominations. It was a movie made to entertain people for 90 minutes and, they, and it does, it does its job. Yeah. I think it, I think it's perfectly, perfectly watchable. There's, yeah. There's,
0: I was going to say, there's a lot of obvious like setups and payoffs where they like grab an item and they like, Oh, I need this for something really quick right now. And then they kind of put it in their pocket and they're like, Oh, that's going to definitely come back in about 45 minutes.
1: Right. Yeah. It's also some plot holes, but like, You don't really need to, it's not something that like, oh, this movie has plot holes, it bugs me. It's this movie has plot holes and it's kind of fun to mention that while I watch it. Like that's kind of how I watch the movies. So it was fun to be like, okay, well, why would he be able to do that? And no one around would notice like that type of thing. Like, okay, you fucking run over a guy at a gas station. Maybe some people might notice that and maybe call the police. But like it does its own way of trying to set up like, why those things might not happen? It doesn't necessarily make sense, but at least it, uh, it, it at least tries. addresses that.
0: There's there's a moment where the people get a cop's attention and he you know a, hit, attacks there. the cop <laughs> and uh, th- normal real life within thirty seconds. There's going to be every squad car in that city is going to be chasing him, and he just kind of gets away with it.
1: There's okay. This is in the trailer, so it's not a spoiler alert at all. um, There is a moment where they signal to a police officer he notices something is wrong you think okay maybe he can help and then fucking he's like either in and he's in his car and then Russell Crowe just rams into the car as hard as he can with a fucking like truck and completely annihilates this cop and then you do not see another police officer the rest of the movie and it's like that dude just murdered a cop like I think they might be able to get out after that so (laughs) It has some moments like that, like it's very much, you have to, it's a, don't think about it, watch it, enjoy it, it's 90 minutes, it's fun, Russell Crowe's enjoyable, it, but, it, but it's fun, like it, it it's a it's a good movie. I wouldn't say any of the performances really sell you on it outside of maybe Russell Crowe, but, yeah. but I, I recommend it to people to just check out and, and watch. If you need something to watch on a night when you're with your significant other and just want to check something out and have 90 minutes of fun, go for it.
3: And I think your biggest selling point to me is that it is ninety minutes for this type of movie. Because honestly, 100%. a lot of movies a lot of movies nowadays with a simple premise like that stretch it out to over two hours, um, or even just two hours, which is I think too long for something with this type of premise. And like it just makes something that could be kind of a fun, like breezy watch like that and make it into a drag. So I, I might give it a watch right. just to yeah, you know, it's free on Prime, minutes. so yeah.
0: This yeah, came out yeah, at
2: so a hard. point in twenty twenty when like theaters were kind of open but not quite like once in a while they'd be open and they go back to closed again and this was one of the movies that was open and me and my dad we were like fuck it we don't care how bad this movie is we don't even, it doesn't even matter what it is we're just going to go see something because we haven't seen a movie in, in so long and we'd seen the trailer for this like over and over and over again at other things and we knew it wasn't going to be very good but we were like who cares the theaters are open this is like a dumb movie and it absolutely exactly was that it was like the dumbest movie I've seen in a, in a long time but in such an endearing, a weirdly, it, it's very entertaining. The same way that Johnny and Joe are talking about it, like it, it has that kind of just, it's so dumb that you can't help but just be like, "Oh right, okay. You're, you're not going to bother with explaining this. Or you, you're going to give me like one line to explain it, or you're just going to kill the guy and not have to explain it. And if you turn your brain off, you get a couple of drinks and you, this is a really fun time. And we mentioned like FX movies where it's like, oh, it's 2 PM on Saturday. I guess we'll sit down and watch it. This is kind of that one for me. Like, if I was sitting around not doing anything and I was like, you know what? I got a case of bud in the fridge. I'll, I I can down three of them and then start unhinged. Like that would be a good night for me. Just get, get a few drinks down and watch it unhinged with you and your friends, your family. It's a nice movie to, to roast, but not quite very good. I don't think I liked it as much as you guys did, but I had a all right time with it. And in, in the same way that you guys did, just understand it's going to be stupid and just laugh at how much it fully embraces the stupidity of it. And Russell Crowe, like, just throwing his career into the trash can in the first scene, and you're like, "Oh God, what is this guy gonna do right now?" And he's like, "I've gotten divorced. I'm broke. I need money. I'm, I'm doing unhinged. I need this paycheck." That was gonna I mean, a like. movie and about was, a guy
1: who's divorced and needs to be crazy. So. <laughs>
2: Yeah, um, I, I, up...
1: I, I I'd say check it out. And anything else we need to say about? I was just Undead? gonna say I looked it
0: up, and it was written by the same guy who wrote the Shia LaBeouf movie Disturbia, and that just kind of makes sense.
2: In the yeah, same exact way, special Disturbia.
1: but yeah. pretty much the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, that brings us to uh, V, I believe. Yeah. So for V, I think I went with the most obvious V movie, but that is a V for yeah. Vendetta. another revenge movie ah fucking didn't even look boom there you go um this is a movie that i feel like was not is not talked about enough because people people talk about watchmen a lot and that movie sucks but b for vendetta is like the really good version of what that could have been and um they did such a fucking amazing job with uh Alan Moore wrote this, correct? That I'm not crazy. I'm yeah. Not, yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure yeah, yeah, So this is like, this is the best you could do with a piece that Alan Moore wrote. Um, I know he is famous for being a crazy person and not liking anything anyone made of his work, but be for indebted as far as like, if you've read the graphic novel and if you have seen the movie, it, it does a really good job, um, of portraying what the original work is supposed to be. Um, it's just so good. I, I I think people don't. um, I think people kind of underestimate Natalie Portman as an actress. I think she does. I think she's a great actress that has maybe not always been in the best projects. And then people shit on her because of the prequels of the Star Wars movies. But, like, I think she's a great actress. She's really good in this. Um, It's just overall um, a great revenge film and a great movie about, like, again, we talked about this uh, with. Um, what did we talk about this with
0: just, anyway? Um,
1: oh, dead pigs. It's, it's, it's kind yeah. of a um a commentary on political state and something like that. Like, you know, it has, it has uh, political themes that hold up and uh, to this day. And that's something that I think Alan Moore did really well of kind of predicting the future in terms of like, what is still going to be relevant in, in 20 years 30 years 40 years like what's always going to be relevant and he made good commentary on that and v for Intetta does that um but it's about um basically v is this i wouldn't say superhero but he is a vigilante that is trying to take down a uh tyran uh government um that is kind of in control of everything and i think it it's just it's a very fun movie it's a very uh it's just a great movie with a lot of things to say. I think everyone should check it out. It's a movie that maybe has gained popularity. I don't think it was a super, super hit at the box office or anything. But it's a movie I think a lot of people have seen since. It came out in 2004, um, I want to say. And it's just a great movie. It's something that I feel like we haven't talked about because it's not a movie that we would – ever try to yeah it's like unrebootable um, a new version of and it's oh, yes yeah, yeah. you can't reboot this in any way they made the perfect movie in terms of what they were going for yeah. um and i think people kind of forget about how how much of a masterpiece i think this movie is um it's just such a good story and natalie Portman's great and obviously hugo weaving i feel like he's usually like the villain in a lot of things and he's so good as as v in this that um and you never even see his face like I don't know. It's just a movie that I think everyone should check out. And I don't believe uh, for a second that whoever the director of this movie, the same guy that did, um, I mean, I know he did like Ninja Assassin, but he did a bunch of shitty movies after this. This was Mm -hmm. a Wachowski movie and I think it's the best movie.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, This
1: is, this to me, it's a better movie than the matrix. And I think the Wachowskis basically were in charge of this whole thing and made a great movie. Um, I don't think they're very good at making their own stuff. If you look at, um, that shitty space movie they did with uh, Channing Tatum. I saw that movie. I don't remember the name. And Fuckface, whatever his name is. Um, Eddie Redmayne. Eddie Redmayne, yeah, Fuckface. Um, But, yeah, like, uh, I I think the Wachowskis can do good work if they take something that is prior, like, actually has content already. And this movie is great. So I kind of just wanted to give it a shout-out. And say how much I love it, and see what everyone else's thoughts are on it. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think it was about like as good of an adaptation as you can do. Like Alan Moore's the type where if they change anything, he's like, "Oh, my story was perfect. Why did you change it?" And if they do everything word for word exactly as he did it, he'd be like, "Why would you remake it? You didn't do anything different." But like for the most part, like eat- Natalie Portman's character in the graphic novel is like a fourteen-year-old prostitute, and I feel like especially if you're trying to do like a wide wide appeal movie you can't really have your lead be like a 14 year old prostitute and so to kind of fit more with the theme and narrative of the movie and make it more contemporary because i think the graphic novel did come out in the 80s they just made her like an employee at the news station because a lot of the movie dealt with like the propaganda of the news and all of that type of thing so i feel like it worked for what they were going for the changes that they made uh, I re- I think it's just a good story overall. I agree basically with everything Johnny said, but I just wanted to add that of like, I I understand that they made changes, but I think the changes that they made worked.
3: Yeah, and I think it's the perfect because because Hugo Weaving doesn't take his mask off. Mask off. He always has the Guy Fox mask on. Um, kind of telling the story for the most part through Natalie Portman's character was like that's the best way to do that and give the movie a little bit more heart and relatabil- relatability. Relatability because I think if you gave this movie to more like incapable people who might have or even if gave it to some people nowadays they might have been like oh well v is a superhero character so we're gonna mm-hmm. make him the focus and the lead and not really you know it wouldn't have had it the the um impact i think because this movie does um so i think it's great it's a really good adaptation of uh you know alan moore's work is not easy to adapt and i think they did about the best job they could with it and it's just, it's just a really good movie
2: I love the original graphic novel. I told myself I wasn't going to... I'd seen the movie when I was in like high school and I didn't remember it very well at this point. So I said, oh, I'm going to just order the book and read the book and then read, watch the movie after. So mm-hmm. I started to shut down. Last year, I finally read through the book and, and loved it. I was really blown away by it. how well it aged to today's themes, especially reading it in the middle of 2020. There's a lot of stuff that was pretty shocking to read. And then you uh, re- watch the book, or I mean, you watch the movie and I think in some points it misses the mark on the adaptation but I think overall it it hits really well and I think what hits the most is that it actually does try and capture the themes and capture like the tone of the original book whereas as much as I love the Watchmen movie I love watching it and I love the way it looks and I love the way it sounds and feels to watch it I think it misses the the mark on capturing the theme of Watchmen (laughs) like what Watchmen's actually supposed to be about and like I think Beat for Vendetta well, it might not be as it might not stand on a pedestal for me as much as Watchmen does. Is one that I go back and watch a lot and think about a lot. It's it's one that I think captures the the original novel a bit better in terms of the themes and what it was trying to say. And it's definitely ahead of its time. I think if you made something like this now, you could turn it into a really really great like HBO miniseries type thing, or it could be a terrible like another terrible DC adaptation that Warner Brothers would make and that's coming from a fan of most of their DC stuff this would not work at all from like the current Warner Brothers DC movie team (laughs) but I think it's ahead of its time in the way that it's capturing uh, ideas through comic book through a comic book lens in the movie in a way that like the Watchmen TV show I think did really well and I think it's a way that things are kind of coming around like the boys is trying to do that in a really interesting way and this could be something that would have been done well now but I, I think it was stuck in that weird time where it came out ahead of its time and and not and wasn't quite received well but would have been received great if it came out now
1: i will say this before we move on um i hate the watchman show i think that's a show that was written by people that have a complete misunderstanding of the source material and um i think that just like the real life like hackers and people that use the guy fox masks um in terms of like not understanding the source material that's the same thing i got from the watchman show Um, I think this is a great adaptation of of Alan Moore in terms of just, like, they changed some things that maybe needed to be changed. um, But I think overall it makes for a great film. And I, I, I think this is something that when you have a psycho but great writer of something, like, just do what he did and maybe change some things that might not adapt a screen like like I get they did that in Watchmen with the ending of changing it to a bomb I actually like that better than the big octopus um and and with this like changing Natalie Portman's character a little and and doing some things that they that they changed I think it's a good adaptation and I think while not as good as the graphic novel you got the best version you could but also, fuck The Watchmen Show. Tristan said he liked it, and I just have to say that show is maybe the worst thing I've ever watched and is very bad.
0: I liked it, too. I'll say that.
1: But I, I will say,
0: it. the best Alan Moore adaptation still, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Great film. Everyone should watch it. I, <laughs> I mean, I love it. Sean
1: Connery, but, yeah. <laughs> no, that movie's
2: fucking oh, sucks, man. so.
1: Yeah. Is that the All one right. where
2: Batgirl has sex with Batman in it? Yeah, that one, too.
1: <laughs> also that. Yeah, people, people are very bad at adapting his work, so I feel like this This one is like like the one thing that I like that ever was adapted from Alan Moore. Yeah. I mean, people, people like Watchmen, but I, as a huge fan of Watchmen, that's one of my, that's my favorite graphic novel of all time. I think that movie just doesn't understand it at all. And just Zack Snyder is a lazy filmmaker um, in general. But yeah, I think this is, is, is probably the best you could say that uh, ever came out of like movie-wise, what came out of Alan Moore? So Before Tristan has a hernia over there, we should yeah. move on. All right. Well, I'm I, just I triggering
2: a... Tristan. All i know. Knows, I, can I feel that from here.
3: I have another <laughs> deep, you know, politically uh, driven movie with some great themes. Uh, I have uh, the comedy. We're the Millers. Classic. I love it. Um, but honestly, this movie just surprised the hell out of me. How much I found it entertaining because I didn't see it in theaters. I thought it looked like a really forbi- forgettable comedy um it's directed and written by the same guy that did dodgeball um and he hasn't really done like a ton of great things but i think that he hit with that and i think i think he hit with this uh the reason i really did it came to mind and i put on the list is because everyone is talking about uh jason sudeikis lately with um uh, ted lasso uh and this movie i think shows like early like a little bit earlier on that he could kind of lead something like that and be really loved because i I wasn't, I'm always, I was hit or miss with him a lot in a lot of movies and things before this one, but I think the cast, so basically if you've never seen it, I mean, it's on TV all the time and it's one of those movies that gets played on like TBS or TNT, but um, Jason Sudeikis is a drug dealer and gets hired to go bring drugs back from Mexico, Um, but he needs a fake family to go do it, so he recruits a bunch of people from his like apartment complex and stuff, so. Um, Jennifer Aniston is a stripper who plays his wife. Emma Roberts is kind of like an outcast kind of druggy girl that plays his daughter. Will Poulter is like this nerdy kid that plays the son. Um, and then they meet Catherine Hahn and Nick Offerman as a couple on the way and they're just great together. So I, th- I think just the cast of this movie makes it really fun to watch. Um, Jason Sudeikis does a good job of leading it, but Jennifer Aniston playing kind of a crude um character like this like she's done it maybe a couple times but it's definitely a little bit more out of her wheelhouse and i think she nails it because it plays against type um and i find that really entertaining i'm a pretty big fan of emma roberts she has not done a lot of great movies but i've always liked her um and i've kind of followed like at least you know I- i've liked her in things even if it's kind of a forgettable movie so it's fun to see her not yeah. play kind of the blonde what is it scream like... for yeah scream for i than thought that. scream Four was okay like that you know it's it fine but i like it was, it was it. maybe the best yeah, film yeah. sequel yeah, yeah i didn't like it and then uh will poulter who's kind of become more of a more of a star since then it plays a really good nerdy yeah. Yeah. nerdy character but no regrets again, yep and then again a big meme from this movie is the no regrets or ragrets or whatever that the not, yeah, not even one letter it's it's one one letter but
0: the haircut yeah, scene the, pops up a lot too that i see yep
3: yeah. Yeah, for sure. But this was just—it's it, a—it was a very surprising movie. It did what Game Night did to me. I think Game Night's better, but um, yeah. I went in with like no expectations, and like it's a really fun, entertaining comedy that I could put on whatever. And it's like a family, relatively family-friendly. Yeah, movie. I would like, say
0: like if if everyone, if the kids in your family are teenagers, then I think it's a good family yeah. movie.
3: Exactly. Like, I, I think this is—you need movies like this just so that you know for entertainment and just like fun popcorn you know it's not a deep movie but it's entertaining and uh i i get a kick out of it and i i'll I'll watch it if it's on tv like i'll watch you know moments of it here and there and then maybe put it on uh streaming i don't know if it's streaming anywhere right now it's not it it, it's uh, been on streaming and back and forth yeah
0: but But it's
1: on tbs right now yeah
0: that's what i put in our notes it's not streaming anywhere but i'm sure if you go on tbs or comedy central right now it's probably playing
1: exactly
2: this is one where I've seen yeah. the trailer so many times that I feel like I've seen the length of the movie within the trailer. So <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'll see it, but it's like been ingrained into my mind. It's like one of those millions of mediocre comedies that comes out every year. But if you guys are saying it stands yeah. above stuff like Vacation and things like that, then it might yeah, be one of the Yeah, It's definitely
3: better remake. than Vacation that. Yeah.
1: My, my thoughts on it are I've never seen the full movie. I've seen parts of it on cable when I had cable. It's okay and I don't really care about it. Anything Ed Helms is in, I'm out. So him even hearing slightly. Yeah. He's very he's in it briefly, and that is enough for me mm-hmm. not to watch the full movie. Yeah. He's the um, setup. And I don't really and I'm kind of with Bobby on hit or miss with Jason Sudeikis, but it's mostly miss. The only thing I've ever seen that I liked that he was in, and I won't even say I liked him in it, was horrible bosses. Um everyone talks about Uh, Ted Lasso, I might watch it one day, but I'm honestly I don't think Jason Sudeikis is funny and I don't think Ed Helms I think Ed Helms is like the worst person in Hollywood as far as like someone I'd never watch on screen so just knowing that both of them were in the movie, I've never watched the full thing but I've seen parts of it on cable, I like Will Poulter, I like Emma Roberts, I like the rest of the cast, Nick Offerman's in it, him and Catherine Hahn are funny um, in the scenes I've seen them in, but it's not a movie that I would ever like sit down, and start to finish, and watch. It's just something that, if you want to throw something on in the background on, sure. Um, I, think but I think it's, it's worth everything watching that, through one Everything I, like I feel like with Dodgeball, that is a memeable movie that like you could actually sit down and watch all the way through and enjoy. I feel like this mm-hmm. is a memeable movie where the only things that you've seen from it are the good parts, and then you don't need to see the rest of it.
3: But I've also Honestly, never seen it. So, what I would say with this movie, it doesn't always make you laugh out loud, but it rarely, like, completely misses a joke. Like, nothing happens that you're like, that was just bad. It's like, it is entertaining and will keep you, like, it's not going to lose you in the movie at some point. Like, you, and it, it, so it tells its story, it does a good job, it doesn't go off the rails, it has some, a couple good, like, really big laugh out
1: loud moments, and it has good characters. So, that's what I would say. It's, it's an entertainment. So, I would say this is a perfect. Netflix and chill movie. Yeah. There you go. Tinder, yeah. Tinder audience. Yeah. Um, throw this on in the background while you don't pay attention to it. Um, I think that's probably the best that you can say about We're the Millers, um, but Bobby gave it a good recommendation. So maybe, maybe check it out if you like average comedies. <laughs> yeah.
3: This, this is night and day. It's ones that I know, like they're
1: very, because
3: cause people Another look one. at them as very mediocre movies. And I think, in that vein because a lot of people do enjoy these type of movies these stand above a lot of the kind of just shit that come out so i think that it's worth a it's worth a watch for a lot of people
2: I'd say. yeah it's good to know if i'm ever in a situation yeah. and someone's like oh i just really like comedies you know someone who's not really into like watching stuff that i watch it's like i can throw on more the millers and maybe i won't like hate my experience or something you know yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if someone doesn't like what i if like you if you have at,
1: like if you have to work on an assignment on your laptop and you need something to throw on in the background, I feel like this is a good movie to
3: do that. That's fair. Y'all are yeah. just but haters. you cannot focus on. I like I like the movie a lot, but it's yeah. like it's I'm mean, not what I'm going to say is like oh this is amazing. You need to watch it. It's it, it's good. I like it. It's a fun movie that you know. I think it's better than a lot yeah. of bad comedies that come out. Yeah. So yeah. All right, Gosh. that's all we I mean need to say about that one. I think.
0: All right, and Tristan's ready for his big blockbuster. Uh, wide appeal. It was. Mass it was rough to that we find all a love.
2: movie. I mean, it was X. All right, so I had to dig. You know, you got you got triple X-Men. X state we, of the we union. You talked about X Men enough X-Men. in our lives, especially with all the Marvel stuff going on now. And it was triple X. And I feel like I've got Vin Diesel injected to my body already from Fast Nine. It's X Files, and I barely can make it through the show because it gets so bad towards the end. I haven't watched the movies yet, so I haven't wasn't able to pick those. I was pretty desperate. So I went on the Criterion Channel, the streaming platform and just typed in X and started scrolling down until I found something and clicked on it. instead of watching and it was called Xiao Wu, I believe is how you pronounce it. It's X I A O Wu. And the English if, trend... if you can't
1: if you can't find it, yeah, it's called The Pickpocket. It is it's called, called The Pickpocket. Pick they
2: released it and it is named after the main character's name Xiao, but in they re-released it as The Pickpocket, which is what like it's also known as on Wikipedia, but the title listed is is, is X title. So I'm I'm saying it counts. <laughs> but uh, for me, I, I was just literally looking for any movie that started with X, and I clicked on it, and well, I was like, oh, it's on Criterion. It has some good reviews on here. Whatever, I'll, I'll play it. And then I watched it, and it turns out it was recommended by Scorsese. He really had a good time. He liked it a lot. And that's all I really know about it. <laughs> uh, I looked out looked it up on Wikipedia, and you scroll down to like critical reception. It just says like. Martin Scorsese liked this movie and is a fan of this director. <laughs> That's pretty much all you get, but you can see it when you watch it. It follows the story of this 20 something pickpocket. who's living on the streets of uh, Hong Kong. And he's gets a note telling him that one of his old friends, who was a previous criminal uh, worker of his, someone that was a pickpocket alongside him is now getting married. And he's become like a rich businessman and is very successful in life. And, left the crime world behind him and was getting married and he didn't even invite Xiao to the wedding because he's totally like changed his life, and moved on from crime and it inspires him to have this kind of like crisis of looking back at his life and saying like, Oh, why can I get out of this crime life? i told myself that there's no other way, but is there really a way? And he has this, uh, young woman who works as a prostitute that he spent, he does not uh, he doesn't, like, spend the night with her, but he walks the night with her. They kind of walk the streets together and bond and become friends. And there's, it's sort of like a bonding movie between these two outcast characters on the streets of Hong Kong. I mentioned at the beginning Dead Pigs and how Dead Pigs portrays Hong Kong in this slightly elevated style, but it captures, like, this varying ways of the lives of people of Hong Kong. And this, I think, captures that in a totally different way. It doesn't have any of the elevated style. It's, like, guerrilla-style filmmaking, almost. Like, those parts where the filmmaker just following them with the camera and uh, that's following them through the streets with the camera kind of thing and very guerrilla-style stuff that I think Scorsese would attach to and very much folks in the crime world, so I understand why Scorsese would like that. And If you have uh, the Criterion channel and you want to check it out, I think it's worth checking out. It's very much a film school kind of movie, so it's slow. It's not going to grab you out of the action, but if you want to look at the life of these two people living on the streets of Hong Kong, I think it's worth checking out. And if you're a Scorsese fan, you want to see something that kind of inspired him? I think it's worth checking out for that too. All
0: right. Well, if you watched earlier in the show, I said the only steel book I own is space jam. So I'll let you make a decision on whether or not I have the criterion channel.
1: (laughs) Um, I'll, I'll say this. I I think this is a, is a good film. Um, as probably the only person who's, who's checked this out. Uh, it was a nineties foreign film. Um, about a pickpocket like tristan said so i don't know it's a good movie it was not something that like i ever thought about until tristan put it on this list um i saw it as pickpocket so i had to look it up and then i was like oh shit, i've seen this before but um it's a good movie you have to be into foreign films to like this um but it's a good movie the the director made some good work after this like platform um which is a good movie um he he likes to go into some similar themes Uh, as this movie but you know it's a movie about you know there's a crackdown on crime and if your crime is your life like what do you do with it and and i think it has some good themes and some uh and a good tone and I, i think it's just a movie that if you like foreign films check it out if you don't like foreign films you're never gonna watch this movie or find this movie but you know it's on hbo um it's it's a criterion movie for a reason that that's pretty much a good standard if you want to watch good movies, watch anything that is certified under Criterion, um, and and this movie stands by that. I I think it's good, yeah. And like like Tristan said, obviously Scorsese's been making films for a long time. This movie came out in the '90s, but was still, sorry, an inspiration to him. So I think it's if you like foreign films, check it out. It's good. It's worth watching. I watched this. Um, When I was really into foreign films, and I went on like two or three months of only watching foreign films, and I watched this. So it kind of gets lost in some of the other movies I've checked out at that time, but I remember enjoying it. I thought it was pretty good. All
2: right. uh, Anybody else got anything to say about Pickpocket? No, I I, I didn't even know what
0: this movie was. I was just like, well, I guess this is Tristan's pick for X. I got too much shit to watch right now to watch other people's picks.
3: now that you say it's pickpocket i've at least heard it because of the influence but like no I've, I've um never seen it but it maybe i'll check it out but this one is probably one i won't get to but i mean it, it, you know it sounds good though
2: yeah if you're into the filmic kind of stuff if you want something that you would literally probably watch at a film school this is what like they sell Criterion is being film school in a box and this is definitely film school in a box so if you're wanting to break out into a criterion this might not even be the best one to start with but but if you if you're into Criterion a little bit and you're trying to like be like okay i've wet my toes you know i've got a couple of stuff out of the way but i'm trying to see what i can watch it's a little bit of a deeper cut this might be worth checking out not one that's going to change the way you look at film or anything but it's a very compelling uh work from this director and yeah had platform i thought was really good as well so still a, a director that works today
1: joe joe and tristan quick question before i move on do you guys remember the movie I assigned to you? Um, that was a foreign film from the '90s. That was, uh, um, it was about like a three-way relationship. That was and me and it had a bunch of drama. It was Bobby yeah. and Tristan.
2: I watched. I don't that. remember
1: the. I don't remember the name of the movie now, and I've seen it, but I watched this at the same time, and I think that movie was a little better, but I don't remember what it was called now. But it had an awesome title. It was um, something the
3: drag or. Yeah, it had a good. It had a really good title, and I'm trying to remember it, but I'd have to. Brawl and Cell anyway. Block oh, 99. We'll watch it. Oh, the episodes.
2: Nope, not no, not that. Star Wars Episode Seven.
1: <laughs>
2: Force Awakens. No. I don't. I,
1: I do not remember what it was called, but yeah, it's about basically a dude who like breaks a bike, and then he's in a relationship with a girl, who's in a relationship with another guy, and it's a whole thing, and it's very good. And you guys pitch decent movies on it, but yeah. I don't remember the name of it, so. If I could remember the title, I'd recommend that, but I can't. So let's move on to Neon
2: Gods. It was something about Neon Gods. Neon, yeah. It It was was, um... something
1: of the Neon
3: God. It was, yeah. Rebel of the
1: Neon Gods. Rebel of the the Neon Gods. gods. Great movie. Similar to this in terms of like a, a 90s foreign film that has a similar tone. Check out Rebels of the Neon God over this, I think, as far as like movies I've seen. But this is also a very good movie.
0: All right, so I think that goes to is now my turn, and uh, I have Y, and for my last pick for Y, I chose Young Frankenstein, uh, classic Mel Brooks movie, maybe the best Mel Brooks movie. I mean, there's arguments to be made for other Definitely. ones, but I think this is my my favorite. Uh, classic I'm Jean- your head. Or I mean, uh, uh Elephant Man. <laughs> yeah, well, all right, Gene Wild, great Gene Wilder performance. Uh, just, I think I feel like a lot of people have seen this, most people have seen this, but if you're younger and you haven't seen this, you should definitely check it out. Yeah, it's black and white, but it's supposed to be like a period piece, and it was still a later made movie. It was made in the, I believe, maybe the late 70s. I think mid-70s. I'm not 100% sure, and I never looked it up. But they kind of just a satire of the original novel. A lot of like book professors say it's actually the closest movie to... The original book because of the most of the movies only really cover the first half of the book where this covers both. You have a great early performance by uh, Gene Hackman as the uh, blind guy, which is which is great. But yeah, it's just
1: a really do fun... You, do you know why Gene Hackman was in this movie? I think you told me at one point, but I forget. So Gene Hackman, I want to say, was um, a tennis partner with Mel Brooks at the time. And he heard about this movie and was like... I need to be in this. I want to try comedy. I've never done comedy. So then Mel Brooks brought him on to do like literally like four days or three days or like basically a few days of shooting. And he filmed that role. And that's why Gene Hackman's in it. Literally because Gene Hackman was having a conversation about this movie with Mel Brooks. And he was like, I need to be in this. So I, I think that's always a, that's always a great story about about young Frankenstein um, and just both of those people in general. Cause you know, just hearing about what it was, uh Gene Hackman obviously is a smart dude, knew knew that this would be a hit and it and it was. Yeah.
0: You also have Peter Boyle as uh the monster who would go on to be the grandpa in Everybody Loves Raymond. And he was in number of movies and other things as well, but
3: Yeah. I mean I there's not you can't say enough yeah, about this movie, I think. It's
0: it's
2: a
3: it's a
1: classic. Yeah, it's and just if you a fun.
0: Yeah, typical like Mel Brooks movie, but just about Frankenstein.
1: Mm-hmm. It's it's his best work. This is his masterpiece. I, I I think Mel Brooks has done a lot of good movies. You can argue Blazing Saddles, um, you know, you can argue Spaceballs, but your argument would be flawed. Yeah. Um, and even like High Anxiety, I, I like a lot of Mel Brooks movies, like The Producers and stuff. But this is his best, and I think it's so fucking good. Young Frankenstein is one I I turn on. Like it's not really a cable movie, but it's a movie that if it came on, I would watch it at any point forward. I think it's so good. Um, and putting on the Ritz, it's you know just such a good song because of this movie. Like that's yeah. the reason that song sticks out to me because yeah. of the finale. Um, I, I think it's uh, I think it's a I think it's one of the greatest comedies ever made. I, I think for it's sure. probably a top ten. For sure. Yeah,
2: yeah. This is a yeah. classic for a reason. I mean, it sets of time. A lot of comedies, I think, it's hard to age well because a lot of it can rely on current, like pop culture ideas of humor and the current references and things like that. But this is one where, it really does age well, and there's a couple of things that might not age well, but I mean, you still get the joke, you still laugh at it, you still go along with it. Doesn't completely whiff, and most of it does really age well. And I think it's this is also a really good example of how you can do parody and satire still of a genre, and it doesn't have to be like scary movie. You know, it doesn't have to be just really terrible like direct parodies of things that are just like here's a reference to something and here's a reference to something and, like you can do it and actually be really funny and actually stand with the test of time and decades later still be watchable and still be entertaining and yeah Mel Brooks I mean genius he he did so much stuff and we mentioned him at the beginning on Elephant Man and whether it's on comedy here or Elephant Man there like he was involved in a lot of stuff and I think he is overlooked often as one of like the all-time greats in terms of directors and filmmakers. So I definitely think, if you haven't seen Young Frankenstein, check it out. But if you haven't seen a lot of Elvin Mel Brooks stuff, I definitely think dive into more than just this or more than just like the one or two you might have seen. Yeah, one of his like most underrated
1: movies underrated. is um, Robin Hood Men in Tights. It's yeah. such oh, an underrated I, I love comedy. That, that, that movie is amazing. Um, Carrie Always is great. But yeah, I, I think just in general, yeah, this movie is something that everybody needs to see it's one of the greatest comedies ever it has so many funny moments and just tells a complete story like tristan said like it doesn't have it's not just full of pop culture references like the scary movies are that this movie parodies something that was before most people's time and still stands the test of time like that is not easy to do and i think it shouldn't be overlooked yeah the com- it's it's and very much like airplane i think it's it's uh similar in 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 that fact but it's not like joke after joke after joke it has more of a plot but i think it's just so it's just so well done it's one of my favorite movies of all time
0: yeah i have a mel brooks collection which has various mel brooks movies and the cover of young frankenstein at the top it says the funniest movie of all time yeah we have the same thing
2: Uh, i mean you could make that argument yeah yeah
0: Blazing yeah. Saddles, High Anxiety, History of the World, Part One, Robin Hood, Men in Tight, Silent Movie, The Twelve Chairs, To Be or Not to Be, and Young Frankenstein.
1: The silent movie when the secretary or whoever this woman comes in, and then the whole table lifts up because of the guys. Like maybe that doesn't hold up super well, but that's such a fucking funny joke. Like at the time, like Mel Brooks is great. Check out Mel Brooks's work if you haven't seen it. He he is a great filmmaker. Um, and and watch the producers because i feel like that's something that isn't talked about because it's not a parody that he did um but it's just a good comedy movie and anything gene wilder and you know is good
2: and the fly he was similar to elephant man he was vital in making the fly happen so if you like the fly you owe that to mel brooks
3: the goldblum yeah. version
2: yeah. yeah yeah
1: all right i think right, that and...
0: brings us to z which is johnny's pick but
1: he's oh he's nope, he's here I'm back. I'm back. I'm here. Yeah, Z. Um, I was looking for a Z movie. I was going to watch the new movie Zola, but I just didn't get around to it. So I chose one of my favorite movies of the 2000s, um, Zodiac. Uh, David Fincher's best work, in my opinion. Um, I think it's his best film, and he's a great filmmaker. I love a lot of his movies, but I think just overall, this is his strongest film. Um, Jake Hall, Robert Downey Jr., obviously great in it, but it is a it is based on real events, but it is a fictional tale um, of how these things could have gone basically. And it's a great thriller. It's a great uh, drama. It's just everything you need in a movie, I think this really has. Um, obviously it doesn't have like comedy or anything like that. But I think overall, if you're looking for a good um, like kind of mystery murder type movie, watch zodiac that movie is incredible it holds up to this day um one of the greatest filmmakers that we've seen david fincher this is his masterpiece i think um i, I really like gone girl i really like i i enjoy fight club a lot but like nothing he's ever made has compared to to um to zodiac and in, in in those terms so I don't know. There's not a ton to say about this other than it's a great movie, but I'm interested to see maybe if you guys are as high on it as I am, where maybe you rank this. I think the most interesting question is where you guys rank this uh, as a David Fincher film, because to me, it is the clear number one, but I think maybe because of its its dark tone and its length, maybe it's not as rewatchable as some of his other movies, so I'm interested to see if that affects your guys' rank um, of David Fincher yeah. films. So I'll start so, with, we'll just go around the yeah. the The horn and go with Bobby, but where do you rank this?
3: So for me, I came to this one a little later on, um, but I think it's really great, but it's not in my top three or so. I don't know exactly where it is for my Fincher films, but I like um Seven, Gone Girl, um at least those two better, and then um I still really like the social network and I think this is in the same ballpark as social network. Bad movie. But um I think this is better than that, but I would say it's down in like the three or four range, but it's great. I think it is a little too long. And because of the nature of the story of the Zodiac killer, there's not really like this is basically just a it's a character piece on on these, you know, I'm getting obsessed with this with the case. So there's no really big resolution um, to the actual crime. So that, you know, takes it down, I think. Just slightly as a, as like an appear like entertainment for watching a movie, but amazing performances, <clears throat> a great character study on, on, uh, to both Jake Gyllenhaal's character and Robert Downey Jr.'s, but of just obsession, uh, with it. Um, really good job of Fincher just showing tension and changing up kind of how he showed the kills each time for the Zodiac Killer every time that they kind of he put that on screen, but really good. Not in my top few, but, I mean, I'm a big fan of Fincher, so it's still like one of the you know one of my favorite uh, crime thrillers, um, and it's cool to see Robert Downey Jr. year before uh, Iron Man uh, kind of get another great role that people didn't really see maybe until after
1: the fact until he was Iron Man, but yeah, really good movie. You hear it here first. Bobby thinks Alien Three is a better movie than Zodiac. Tristan, <laughs> yep. uh, what do you think about Zodiac, and where do you rank it among Fincher's films?
2: Yeah, Fincher for me, along with this film especially, was fundamental in like making me look at movies differently and like really look at movies as like a thing that people make, you know. And I never really looked at movies like that until I watched like stuff like Zodiac and stuff like Flight Club. and started thinking like, oh, someone like in a form of crash put this there for a reason and like cut this part there for a reason. And like, it was really kind of one that made me look at things differently. I think the scene that stands out for everyone is the basement scene with Jake Gyllenhaal and. He's confronting someone he thinks is suspect, and uh, he has this piece of evidence that the Zodiac killer has a basement, which is not a normal thing in San Francisco, and this guy he thinks is, he kind of becomes suspicious of is just like this random guy, essentially, and he says, oh, I have a basement, and kind of, you realize in that moment, like, you're scared as the character is scared, not, and you know for a fact, like, not, this guy could be the Zodiac killer, but you, like, you know that this guy's probably not the killer that our character gets well, you know, knowing history, what happens, but yet in the moment you're still scared. And I think that scene is what was kind of like a really life-changing scene for me where I was like, okay, how did me, we as the audience see past what we know to be true, to be, invest, to be invested in this moment right here and feel it like we would feel it if we were that character. And that was just a really, really great scene. And, and yeah, uh, Fincher mentioned this, like this was his first movie he shot on digital rather than film, and he was like, yeah, I was like, one of those people who was like, oh, I'm always going to shoot on film. I'm never going to be one of those new age digital people. And then as soon as he shot this, he was like, I'm never going back. It's too easy. It's too fast. It's too convenient. And it was hard for Robert Downey Jr. to turn that performance around because he was like, shooting on digital is so much faster than film. It's like, I don't have a, time. I don't have a second to like recoup and restart. It's like, okay, take one, go again, go again, go again. And that was an adjustment for him too. And he said he had a hard time on set doing that. So it's a fascinating movie to look at behind the scenes, a really great movie to watch. It's long, which is, I think, something that holds it back, and it's very cold and very dark, but up at the top for me for Fincher. I'd I'd probably put Gone Girl above it for me, but this is at least in my top three.
1: Joe?
0: All right, yeah, for me, uh, as a big uh, Citizen Kane lover, I'd have to put Mank as my number one Fincher film. (laughs) Uh, Just Mank's Mank's so so good. No, Mank fucking sucked ass. I hated it. First of all,
1: Citizen Kane, bad movie. I'm okay, oh not getting into
2: this. Again. I'm not Bad getting into movie. that argument. I will just say, make
0: suck. No, I I haven't seen Zodiac in a while, so I don't really remember it that well. But just from what I remember, I feel like Seven and uh, Zodiac are my top two. Which is number one. I'd have to rewatch them both to be able to make that distinction. But it's definitely in my top two with uh, Seven. But I, I I just remember really liking it. I like the ensemble cast of it all, and uh, yeah, I think it's just a really really good movie. I will say great.
1: It's a right. great movie. Mm-hmm. It's 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 my favorite Fincher film, and he's one of my favorite directors. I do love Gone Girl. I love Seven. Um, you know, it's like the only Kevin Spacey movie that's rewatchable because he plays a terrible person in the movie, so you can watch it. But like,
0: and he doesn't really you know, show up I, until the last like ten minutes. So
1: yeah, yeah and he just kind of shows up. But also another good John C. McGilney role, um, as we talked about in Office Space. Um, he's in the helicopter when they're looking for him. But yeah, I, I, I just think Zodiac is a masterpiece that not enough people recognize as that. So I really wanted to kind of bring attention to that. And I, I think, I mean, I want to complete my list. Um, I, on Letterboxd, I'm working on my top 100 films of the 2000s. Zodiac will be in my top 10, I believe. So I, I wanted to give it a shout out. Um, I think Zodiac is incredible. I think it's uh, one of the best directors that is currently working despite Mank. It's one of – it's my favorite film of his, but I think it's a top three for most people. And I just wanted to shout out Zodiac, and I think that completes our A to Z.
0: No, we still got two left.
1: No, we're – I think we're going to – I think we can – Yeah. All right. Yeah. All
0: right. We're not going to get to the last two because (laughs) – We're trying to aim for under two hours and we're at like two hours and forty minutes. So uh yeah. We're just not gonna gonna happen. Yeah, we're just gonna wrap it up.
3: Wanna just say what we had and I mean yeah people generally know. So I I picked for we went to do like to finish it out by movies that started with numbers for our last two to try to get everyone even. uh, and I went with ten Cloverfield Lane, which I think is like an underrated
1: um, never seen it.
3: You know, it's I I think you would actually really like it, Johnny. The ending is I think so, I've just never watched it the ending is going to get people to go one way or the other on that. I liked it. Some people won't, but the rest of the movie's great. I can't send
1: JJ Abrams. So like that, that holds me back on what checking it out. He didn't direct it though. He was involved. Oh yeah. Any of those. That's enough for me to not watch it.
2: Yeah. I love 10 Cloverfield lane. I love the ending and I'll say my last pick, I wanted to Mm -hmm. round it out with like a good hearty classic one that I think is like a must watch for people. And it's uh 12 angry men it's uh, if you haven't seen it of course the premise is that there's jurors who have to make a decision on a murder trial and a lot of them are very convinced of a guilty verdict but one of them is convinced that there's more to the case and he kind of makes his case to these jurors throughout the 90 minute runtime of why this guy might be innocent and you spend the entire time in this one courtroom so or in this one room with these jurors so it's a very contained story i think that's fascinating i think it's one of the best movies ever made you mentioned wizard of Oz is like the mm-hmm. movie I would show is my first movie ever. And I think this would be like, okay, movie number two, like yeah. what's a low scale movie. What can you do with like a low uh, budget drama? Uh, uh, most you
1: <laughs> yeah, this is a, this is a movie that I was introduced to um, in elementary school when our teachers made us watch it. And I feel like most of the movies that your teachers make you watch in elementary school, it's like, why am I watching this? but I was completely enthralled and I loved it. And ever since then I've watched it over and over again, I think it's a top 10 film ever made. Um, and I do enjoy just reading articles that are like, basically I read an article once that was, um, how does a movie change if a character is wrong? And it was, what if the juror who says he's innocent was wrong in 12 angry men? And then it made a good argument for it. And it was a very interesting article to read I don't remember much else about it, but I'm sure you can find it on Google if you, if you Google it. But it's a movie that you can read constantly about. It's a movie that you can watch and enjoy endlessly. Um, but I, I don't think there's a ton to say about it other than that it's maybe one of the top 10 films ever made. I, yeah. I think that's a yeah. reasonable yeah. take uh, for 12 Angry Men. Just yeah. uh, absolutely yeah. fantastic. I agree with all of that.
0: All right. Does anyone have anything else to uh, add about anything of our A to Z show? Any movie that they want to check out now that that someone else pitched or you know brought up? Pig. You oh, yeah, you
2: guys, I'll check out Pig. I've ever heard. I've heard that one's good. Yeah, I definitely yeah, I want to check out
0: Till Death and Hail Satan. Them def- they definitely stuck out both of them, Tristan Pig. So. Good.
2: You're welcome, Joe. Well, I've They're seen all, all of Bobby's pigs, so uh, you know that didn't really.
3: Yeah. Except I just Godzilla, just watch uh, I haven't watched Godzilla. Watch. I'm, just, I'm definitely as, gonna like,
2: check out Quick Change. It was a Joe recommendation, and I think Joe sold yeah. me on that one. As this absurd movie that it might be. I was gonna
1: say the the movie that I have not seen that I want to check out uh, is Quick Change. Um, the other one that I have not seen, I don't know. It's tough because I've seen a lot of these. I will check out Till Death. Um, I don't care about Where the Millers. But I might give a rewatch to like Lady Snowblood. I haven't seen that in the years, so like I, uh, Tristan bringing that up, I'll, I'll probably give that a rewatch. I think that's worth a uh, worth a watch again.
2: At some point in my life, I will see where the Millers*. I feel like that's just a it's just a <laughs> statement of fact. It'll be it'll be there someday.
1: It'll be uh,
3: on some someday. All right. Bobby, it'll be on. Same yeah. with *Night and Day*. <laughs> mine, mine was. I mean, I definitely already wanted to see *Pig*, but just hearing you guys yeah. talk about it, like, I definitely really want to see that. And then um, incredible and then quick change, just like Tristan said, because it just sounds crazy and like like a fun, weird movie to watch that I've never heard of, so I'll watch I'll give that a shot,
1: yeah, I'll check out I saw the devil never heard of it,
0: yeah, okay, I will say <laughs> right. uh as far as that as far as that wraps up our discussion on A to Z, uh, I think Tristan and I are doing our Disney plus weekly review tomorrow, which I don't know what we're gonna review <laughs> they, they there's what if that's about yeah.
2: it what if you know. And then, uh, what if we can review something? We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Next week. <laughs> what if we're good
0: though. Next week we're having a new show idea where we're drafting uh, various movies in different categories. You know, it's fantasy so football draft, se- f- fantasy football draft season. So that should be fun. Uh, I have no idea what we're gonna do because I haven't put any thought into what my draft board will look like. Um, and I then, put my draft
1: board together, baby. I'm working on it then, every day. I'm gonna fucking crush you guys.
0: And then we'll have. I'm taking
1: Dalvin Cook. Oh wait.
0: Sorry. We'll have more discussion on that next. Champion. Next week. Um, yeah, and then the week after that, we start James Bond month. We're gonna do a James Bond Mount Rushmore, probably a James Bond top ten.
1: The best month.
0: We'll just have like a James Bond discussion show with a wheel, where we spin a wheel and whatever lands on, that's what we're gonna talk about, and then it's gonna culminate in a battle between me and Tristan, who basically before this started hadn't really seen a James Bond movie. I think I've on- had only seen Doctor No at that point. I don't know what Tristan has seen. And by that point in time, I will have binged through every single James Bond movie. So. Oh, yeah. That wraps up. I'm so excited up. for that. All right, everyone. Have a great night. Enjoy the rest of your night, week, day, whatever you're doing.